Hello everyone, welcome to episode 70 of Kill the Cast. My name is Jerry, and joining me as always is the ever-quotable Jay. You know nothing. Hell is only a word. The reality is much, much worse. Well, reality is just what we tell each other it is. Fair enough. Uh, and the Silent Hill biker himself, Kenneth. Hello out there in podcast land. Hello. Is it my sanity you're looking for? Uh, speaking of sanity, on this episode, we have The Insanity of Sam Neill, where we are going to do a horror coliseum of In the Mouth of Madness versus Event Horizon. But before we go into that, I as always want to know, Jay, what you been up to? Uh, so, uh, yesterday I went to the, uh, Northwest Pinball and Arcade Convention. That was pretty fun. How many virgins uh, did you see? Uh, a lot, probably. It's mm. hard to tell. Mm. Um, virgins playing with balls. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, there's new machines there as well as old and classic machines. Uh, I posted the horror-themed ones that I played on our Facebook page, so people can check that out. There was a new Alice Cooper machine that just got built, and a new Munsters machine, and both of those were a lot of fun, actually. Dope. Um, and then besides that, I upgraded my home theater system. I've got myself a nice 4K TV and 4K player now. Welcome to the future. Woo! Because it's going to be the future soon. And uh, Kenneth, how what have you been up to? Nothing working that's it okay well i mean you've got your pipe so there's that yeah well i'm enjoying that right this very second so every once in a while you might hear a match light up yeah because he's he only lights it with a match so, uh, yeah. a pure wood match i hope yep got great taste yeah okay what was the hipsters dude's name that you had to blow to get all this <laughs> michael michael <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, as for me, I have been balls deep in uh, the movies of 1998 and 1999 uh, because some of you who pay attention to other podcasts may know that I uh, will be part of the podcast under the stairs top 10 summer series where we are doing the 90s and the two years I got was 98 and 99. So I uh, had to pick four movies from each year to throw onto the list and then from all those movies that uh, on each episode there will be four people putting four movies across plus two uh, listener or audience participation movies that will get put in and from that we will pick two finalists from that year to go forward into the big bad realm as we then create a top 10 of the entire 90s nice so i have been just in all of that uh kenneth you'll be happy i'll be ra- watching uh ravenous here this week most likely such a good movie. It the, is. Uh, and you'll be happy to know. Like Civil War cannibal movie? Yes. Well, fuck, yeah, well, I've, I've never Civil. seen it. Civil War. Whatever war. It was a Mexican-American war, I think. That's right. Well, yeah. it was old war. Less important war. Um, so I, I got to watch those. Uh, I've already actually put my four movies in, but I haven't picked my uh, the two from my list that I feel like are like – are not my two, but – from the whole list that everyone put together from that, I got to pick two that I think are guaranteed uh, argument makers. Uh, but one of the guys for the 1999 did put Ravenous in there for. So I've got to watch it. So good. Yeah. 
So I can't wait to hear what you said. What you said about it. Yeah. Um, you go fuck yourself, Jay. It's amazing. It's pretty good. Um. Okay. You know. This is a ravenous episode now. <laughs> I feel. I feel like we kind of need a ravenous episode after I watch it. We'll see. Uh, so maybe up in the future. So I'll be doing that. So keep an eye out. Uh, I probably will be, I think my stuff will come out like late July, early August. Cause I'm 98, 99. Uh, it's very, very late in the series, but it'll be a fun fucking time. And that's pretty much all I've been doing. Uh, I've been watching Ringu and Tomie and, uh, Komodo and 8mm and all these fucking movies. By the way, 8mm holds up like a motherfucker. Y'all should rewatch that movie. That's also a really good one. Yeah. Super good. I forgot fucking Joaquin Phoenix is in that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? He's the guy that works at the porn store. Yeah, and then fucking Daryl from The Walking Dead, you know, cleaning a fucking... Uh, bathroom in a jail because he got arrested for something and i just want to say you know what now he really does look like the perfect person to play someone in jail he looks like an inmate i can see that you know he does a very good inmate face i heard both of y'all saw the new godzilla no Uh, no he sees it tomorrow i already saw it and we will do a review on that which we will record tomorrow. Uh, I know it's going to be me, Jay, and Derek. Uh, Derek from Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. I don't know if anyone else is joining us at this point. But uh, two fucking thumbs. Super high up. It's amazing. I love it. I'm go, so excited. Go fucking I'm actually one of the most anticipated movies of this year. You know, B, I don't normally go and fucking really make it a big point to go see a movie in the theater. But I think I'm going to try to go see this one. Yeah, dude, take Jade to see it. Oh, well, Jade hadn't watched the first one. Uh, you don't really don't need to see the first one. Like, you can see it. All she really needs to know is that, hey, there was a first movie where uh, Godzilla, you know, f- fought these other two monsters, and that's all that was. Now we're going to explain way more into that, but all you need from the first movie is Godzilla fought monsters. Well, I think I might let her watch the first one anyway, just so she can get an idea. Because the last time I let Jade watch a Godzilla movie, she was younger, and so I doubt she even remembers it. Oh, do you know what Godzilla movie it was? Uh, knowing was me, it, it was Final probably Wars? it was probably Godzilla two thousand. Oh, okay, yeah, that's such that's a good a one. Good one. Um, I got another question for y'all. By the way, I was listening to a uh, podcast today. I was listening to uh, last podcast and left, and they were talking about a. Uh, uh, this guy who was a serial killer in Alaska. Uh, pretty impressive. Like 17, 18 kills within four years. Um, and uh, they were talking about... So the guy, unlike most serial killers, he, he used a gun most of the time. Because uh, most serial killers don't use a gun. But anyway, they were talking about it. And, we, and the point was brought up. What is creepier to you? You're in the woods. Okay. let's let's. You're in the woods. You're a nice, young, busty female. Because that was his mm. type. I wish. What's scarier if he showed up and pointed a uh, rifle at you or pointed a crossbow at you? Um, in reality, I would say both are pretty, like... No, no, fuck both. that. Pick one. No, I, in, no. Listen, I was talking. <laughs> uh, 
I guess if I had to pick one, probably the gun, more than likely to kill me. Okay, Kenneth, do you have a choice? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say the rifle would be scarier because you got more of a chance of dying. So I automatically went to crossbow because there's something fucked up about someone who uses a crossbow in this day and age. Um, especially for someone who's trying to kill a person. Like, there's something fucking wrong with you that you're using a crossbow. And psychologically, I just think it's way more terrifying. Yeah, see, I'd like be more, sport. see, I'd be more, I'd be more, uh, you know, terrified of the perspective of death itself. I mean, don't get me wrong. You get hit with a crossbow, depending on where you get hit, you're going to die. I, you know what I'm saying? I mean, equally, you're going to die. If somebody shoots you in the face, more than likely you're going to die. If somebody shoots you in the heart, obviously you're going to die. If you get the lung, maybe. You know what I'm saying? You've got a, your chances of dying from taking a fucking arrow to the lung are pretty high. But, you know, anywhere else, you got less of a chance. But you know think about this. A guy who shoots you with a crossbow is way more likely to torture you than a guy who shoots you with a gun. I guess it would depend on the person. I That's why I'm more scared of a, cro- a person with a fucking crossbow. Because I'm like, this dude's crazy. If you're going to kill me, fuck it, fine. That's the, you, you succeeded in something I failed at. Congratulations. So would but, you be more terrified of the Zodiac Killer if he had a fucking crossbow? God, yes. Zodiac Killer, know, didn't re- Zodiac Killer didn't really torture any, anyone. Yeah, but my, that's my point. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, okay, most of the time Zodiac Killer gun. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, would you be more terrified of him? I mean, I think it would, when it really comes down to it, it's the perspective of death. If you got a person that looks fucking crazy standing in front of you, let's just go with Zodiac, and you got somebody with a hood on and all the rest of that shit, and damn... Um, you know, standing in front of you and whatnot and with the intent on killing you. I mean, when it really comes down to it, no matter what weapon they're holding, it's going to be equally terrifying. You know, it's just a, it's just a question of in that moment whether you think you're going to be able to survive against that person fighting back. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, honestly, when it really comes down to it, everything is equally terrifying. And each one of those weapons between the two of them, for the most part, it, are you have an equal equal amount of chance with the exception of maybe just a little bit. But if the person using that weapon knows what they're doing, you've got, you pretty much got a 50, 50 chance of whether you're going to live or die anyway. I mean, because we both know that damn people have taken bullet wounds to the head and survived. I so, guess that's where we differ. I, I, I don't automatically jump into, Oh my God, I'm going to die. I think of worst case scenario and worst case scenario is torture and rape. And again, I guess that depends on the perspective of the person, you know, like, like you said, that that's where we differ, like you said, you know, because that depends on the perspective of the person. Because some people out there, you know what I'm saying, view rape as, view being raped as the worst thing that they can endure. Other people don't view rape as being the worst thing that they can endure. Some people out there that have been in that situation have said, okay, well, if he rapes me and I survive, you know, in your head, you got all these things going on. And this, then these are things that I've read. Some women out there have said that to themselves. Okay, you can do whatever you want to me. Just let me live. Yeah, I, I, I just, I look at, uh, with so many serial killers, so many of them are into fucking torture, and I think about, like, certain serial killers, like the fucking Toy Box Murderer, uh, and, like, fucking Carl Panzeram, and I'm just like, I don't want... H.H. Just... Holmes. H.H. Holmes really didn't do that much torture. He, 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 
Like, he was mostly a con man who was super into fucking murder so he could sell the skeletons. Or commit some kind of fucking uh, insurance scam. Yeah, but they, he they was, said he themselves was, in his little castle thing that he had torture chambers in the bottom that, where all them fucking tunnels and shit led to. Yeah, but a lot of them, there's not a lot of proof that he actually really did anything with them. Most of the people he actually, like, that we know he killed where he killed for money. That's a that's a big problem we have with a lot of serial killers is they always go like we can be like we can confirm they killed uh six people. But then them themselves are like, "Oh yeah, I killed fucking 58." And it's like, did they kill 58 or not? Like as I dig more into serial killers uh and and researching them and shit, so many of them are just fucking the biggest bullshitters in the world. And it's starting to change my perspective of serial killers and where I've got different brackets now. And people like H.H. H. Holmes have fallen so down. Like, yeah, he was like America's like first what serial was, killer in the new age. But what was what was Gacy's confirmed number? 32, 33, I think. Did he ever say that he did more than that? Um, no, uh, he was one of the few people that, uh, he was like, you're not getting me for anything unless you can prove it. Uh, he didn't want the, the story. He didn't want the, the fucking thing. The right, Yeah. He was not, cause he's one of the people that like successfully lived a double life. And when he did get caught, he didn't really, he didn't do interviews. He didn't really talk to a lot of people. Um, he just kind of stuck to himself, did his fucking artwork and, and that was it. So he's not one of the people that claimed that they did like way more like fucking, um, uh, God damn it. What's, what's that fucking dude's name? Uh, too many goddamn serial killers. Um, that's the terrifying part. Fuck. He was, a, you know what terrifies me more though? As I go through all these serial killers, like. Um, we don't really have that many serial killers nowadays. And it kind of scares me because I'm just like, are they that good now? Or did it like actually drop off? Uh, it didn't. Well, now there's mass shooters. <laughs> no, well, no, but that's not a serial killer. That's a completely I, I know, different thing. I know. I was looking, I was looking into it the other day, believe it or not, because I was looking into Canadian, Canadian serial killers and damn. It's crazy to me that in a day and age that we live in where, you know, everything is fucking posted online, you know, so we got social media and all the rest of that shit. So just about the smallest story to the biggest story you end up hearing about at some point in time. Believe it or not, there are actively right now uh, a bunch of people in and I know for a fact of Canada that are active. Oh, yeah, I know there's active serial killers, but, like, okay, so a lot of serial killers... It's publicized like it used to be. And that's what gets me is why... I, because here's the other thing. So a lot of serial killers, some of them that have, like, the highest body counts. Like, let's take uh, America. Uh, the serial killer with the highest body count in America is Gary Ridgway, who almost primarily only killed prostitutes. Okay? Uh, and prostitutes are... And sex workers are often called the less dead. Because they don't, you you don't get caught for killing fucking prostitutes because no one cares. But here's the thing: now all these prostitutes have social media and are selling videos on mini vids. And one day, 
uh, one of them is not going to show up for their Cam Soda show, and Kenneth's going to get pissed. And he's going to investigate, <laughs> and he's going to catch a serial killer because that serial killer chose a, a prostitute who happened to also... I My Free Cams fan. Thank you. My bad. I'm sorry. I just kind of threw out names I knew. I really um, don't. I really don't like Cam Soda. I'm an ex video guy, uh, so I just watch it later on, and that's only if there's and it's usually two guys split roasting a girl. Uh, I'm not really into watching just chicks. It's it's very boring to me. I need you know more cocks. I need more cocks, guys. See, I go through I go through fucking uh, phases. Of what I really enjoy. Oh wait, like here wait. lately. Why are we talking about lately. porn right now? We're talking about murder and hey, prostitutes. Man. Hey man, you went for murder and prostitutes. Because, but I was using an example. Of... So we see whose mind is where at this current moment. Do we I... need to put out an investigation on you, buddy? Uh, so the movies we're doing tonight. <laughs> uh, no, but it's just very interesting to me that I wonder if uh, the uh, are prostitutes safer now because of social media. Honestly, because you can track their I, yes. smartphones. Yes, I was looking at I was looking into something about that. Uh, I want to say a couple months ago, I was looking into something about that. And actually, believe it or not, yes, because now with the with the uh, internet and things like that, uh, sex workers don't need pimps anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like they used to. Uh, they have ways of you know, like you can get online, and if you've got. Um, you know, you've got these guys, the, the, what do they call them? The Johns, the tricks. If yeah. you've got these guys that are fucking damn, you know, s- uh, setting up to do anything, they can go in and they can find out all kinds of stuff about them if they have that available to them. Yeah, I mean, you they can slide into that shit. Instagram and be like, what up? Right. They can do all kinds of shit. But at the same time, they, they have all that other bullshit that they have to worry about where it's just like, you know, you got guys that are fucking constantly sending them dick pics and shit like that and all the rest of the other things, which... In my personal opinion, I think that's a fucking a shitty thing that the women that get online and do this for a living, whether it be, you know, actually going out and meeting up with people or just fucking, you know, doing their Instagram shit or fucking cam shit or whatever. I think it's an unfortunate thing that they have to deal with. Yeah, I want to say this, guys. Uh, you Don't send a dick pic unless there's been a, a previous agreed on uh, dick pic being sent thing like right, just don't right pick no one here, policy. here's the thing guys you already fucked it up because now we can't charge money for dick pics we can't have patreons where we're showing our dicks dressed up as slutty ryu because you fucked it up okay you sent them without asking you didn't make them work for it you didn't make them beg for it dick pics are, i can't even get old fucking gay dudes to want to see my dicks because they're just like, yeah, I can see that. All I got to do is pretend I'm a chick. I'll get thousands of dick pics. I don't need you. So I can't make money off this, so I have to fucking podcast. Do you see, see the issue here? Well, see, the unfortunate thing about that is, is when, it, you know, all bullshit aside, the unfortunate thing about that is, is it gives men a bad name overall. The majority of the time, you know, like even if, even if, let's say you're not, you know, trying to have any kind of business relationship with a sex worker for whatever it is, even if you're not doing that, if you go onto a dating site and you're going like, you know, because there are some guys out there, including myself, I've been on a dating site before. There are some guys out there that don't want to go do the bar scene. I don't like doing it anymore. Actually, when it really comes down to it, I can't stand going to bars anymore. But, you know, so you got to get on there and do that. Well, if you get onto a site like, you know, uh, plenty of plenty fish, of, 
Yeah, plenty of fish or what's what's some of the eHarmony or something like that. If you've got these women on there that are getting an endless barrage of fucking dick pics on a dating site, then how are they going to be able to weed out the good guys from the bad guys? You know what I'm saying? The ones that are the weed out the guys that are genuinely on there. Bar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, genuinely on there trying to find somebody that they can A, spend the rest of their life with, or if not anything else, just have a decent conversation with, you know? You can't you can't do shit like that anymore because you got all these fucking guys on there that are just getting on there and being like, you know, hey baby, you want to see my cock and fucking send in a picture? And if hell, half the time it probably ain't even their own dick. Probably not. All right, okay, we got to get back on topic. We went on a a decent tangent there that went from uh, serial killers and safety of prostitution to our PSA on dick pictures. Um, By the way, I think prostitution should be legal in the United States. Just saying. Did you see that Mexico is about to legalize prostitution? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're doing it to fucking fight sex trafficking. You boys like Mexico. Yeah, so I'm excited about this. That's dope. Okay, we are doing a horror coliseum um, on uh, the insanity of Sam Neill because he plays a crazy person very well and he's done it in a few movies. Uh, it was not that movie. Um, so the first one we have is In the Mouth of Madness from 1994. Uh, what? Oh, sorry. Dates scare me. What scared you? Dates. 1994 scared you? Just dates in general. They freak me out. So how did you? How did you get married? We didn't say the dates. Did you go on dates? Oh, no, not those dates. Like, actual dates. Like, when's your birthday? I get nervous every time someone asks me that. Do you know what the, the t- today's date is? Ah, no! Okay, that's a dumb joke. All right, uh... I tried. I'm sorry. Uh, here we go. An insurance investigator been, begins discovering that the impact a horror writer's books have on its fans is more than inspirational. A very fucking wonderful 7.2 on IMDb. That's pretty fucking good. Um, but, oh, also to note, t- tonight is the first time we are using uh, our newly selected category. So you will notice a bit of a difference. Combination of some and an addition of others. So here we go. We are going to start it off within the Mouth of Madness. Starting with... Uh, the story slash the script. Uh, I'll, I'm going to go first. I gave it a fucking nine. It's such an interesting story combining Lovecraft with film in its own unique way. It goes into repeating patterns, but is never boring. The mystery is always lingering overhead, even when the fucking credits roll. There's still like an air of mystery. It's, it's a movie you definitely need to watch more than once so you can really fucking get all these nuances. Um... The first time I watched this movie was because Kenneth told me about it. And I had never seen it, but it was a John Carpenter movie, and I'm a huge John Carpenter fan. So Kenneth was like, you have to fucking watch this movie. So it was on Hulu, so I watched it. And I was fucking blown away. Um, and uh, this week I watched it for I watched it for Horror Coliseum, but I watched it twice. Um, once uh, to do it, make my notes, do my scores. Then I did all my research watched special features, did looked up shit online, and then I watched it again and, and redid my scores to solidify in combining with having to watch having watched Event Horizon. And I also know more about Lovecraft now than I used to because I also over the past year did research on Lovecraft. I've yet to read any of his stuff, but I researched it. And 
What's better than reading? Having people on YouTube give you the cliff notes. Oh, <laughs> cliff notes. Yeah, so uh, I give this a fucking solid nine. I think it's a very unique and interesting idea. And I think it was put forward fucking amazingly. So with that being said, let's uh, bring it over to you, Jay. What do you give story slash script? Uh, I also gave it a nine. Uh, and you really said that uh, more eloquently than I could uh, ever come up with words. I just, uh, it's super original. Um, it really keeps you guessing the whole time. And like you said, even after the credits roll, I just, I loved everything about this. Fair enough. Kenneth, what did you give it? I also am coming in with a nine. Ooh, I thought this story board. was very, very interesting. I thought it was a, a, a damn cool concept. Um, it was original from when I saw it because I had never seen anything like it, you know. And 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 and, and I like the idea of, you know, well at the time you like the idea of you know bringing in the apocalypse by people basically getting, um, I guess getting a disease from what they're reading. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's interesting how it, how how it how the words and everything just kind of go into the mind of these people, and it and it leads into that. And then the uh, the the nods, like you said, Jerry, the nods to Lovecraft are great. I mean, even down to the way the creatures look. Yeah, and so, down to them even using actual fucking Lovecraft quotes. Right. I mean, it, it was definitely very predominant in this in this movie. So, I I really enjoyed it. Solid nine. I thought it was great. All right. Uh, number two, this is a new one, cinematography slash technical aspects. Um, I gave it an eight. It really plays with your head in the way it was filmed. Um, even like the way it sounds, uh, certain angles, how certain scenes are presented, how the story is just done in general. It, it's great. The angles and how the camera moves in certain fucking things. Like, uh, there's a scene where towards the end, uh, uh, Sam Neill's character Trent, uh, John Trent, is running away from this wall of monsters. And it, it kind of goes from focusing on him to focusing the, with the monsters kind of blurred out. And then as he kind of runs past, the the blur from the monster kind of goes away. They become more clear for just a, a split moment. And you're just like, what the fuck am I looking at? And then it kind of cuts away. It never gives you... In this whole movie, it never gives you like this like long, lingering shots of the monsters. There's always these... These quick moves, but it's enough to just whet your appetite. Um, where you, it makes me feel like if I had actually seen these monsters in real life, as much as I would want to look at them, I can't. I have to keep moving. I've got to run away, and that's how a lot of the 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 fucked up stuff in this movie is kind of filmed, where it's always in the camera for a moment, and you get to look for a moment, and you want to keep looking for that curiosity, but you can't. The camera has to move because you have to move. Uh, and it's just, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I gave it an eight. The, um, I think I maybe would have given this higher if I hadn't watched the shining seven times, uh, two weeks, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause the technical aspects of the shining is, is a goddamn 10. Uh, but I, I gave it an eight. Jay. Uh, I gave it a nine. Um, I really liked the. And well, special effects is its own category, uh, but I really liked some of the shots that they did in the movie, um, like towards the end with the uh, the the door. I think it was turned into pages from the book and ripped open. Um, 
that that was really cool that the actually the end shower is running away from the monsters is really cool too and then just throughout um none of the angles were wasted uh nothing in the background was really unnecessary there weren't any filler shots so i thought it was shot pretty pretty beautifully all right uh kenneth coming in with an eight i thought the uh I thought, you know, there wasn't the for me. There wasn't anything that really blew me away um, when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the cinematography. Other than, uh, you know, I think the best one would probably be the uh, the way it was shot when. Um, and this is a combination with the special effects. But one of my favorite scenes is when they're driving and they're looking for Hobbs in. And they come to this spot, and the and the the woman is driving, and the and the camera's looking up at her, and then as it looks down, it sees like the clouds and shit, and then it looks back up at her, and then all of a sudden, it's just like it goes from nighttime to daytime. I really, really, I really, really enjoyed the way they did that, especially as she's riding through, and you see the darkness, and then you kind of see how the light is flashing off of the holes in the in the uh, tunnel. Yes, I like how they put that together. I really, really like that. Yeah, like it was flashes of. Uh lightning almost right right and so i really really liked how they put that together but i mean th- that was probably one of my favorite scenes and then also the running through the tunnel was really really nice everything else i think was kind of you know i had more to do with the special effects than anything fair enough all right we move on to character and development uh, i gave it a seven i guess we should honestly call this character destruction instead of development um, because instead of us learning about who the characters are, we know right away. Uh, and then we watch as everything that they think they know is stripped away. At least for our main character, of John Trent. Now, for Linda Stiles, on the other hand, her character has a question of how much does she know before she knows it. Um, like she said, uh, some of the new book was sent, so she got to read a few chapters. Um, beforehand, uh, and that's why when she gets to the town, she knows... That stuff's happening in in the new book instead of the old one. And we kind of learn her secrets uh, that she, you know, we have to assume she's playing the part willingly. And she didn't just know it until she got deep into the town and her mind subconsciously put it together. Like, there's there's a huge mystery of when did she know? And even if she did know, did she have a choice of of doing anything about it? You know, because... Uh, the, there's a guy that kills himself in the fucking bar and he's like, well, this is just how I was written and shoots himself. And so for her, it's kind of the same way, you know, there, there either she was always going to do all of this no matter what, or she's dealing with, you know, the temptation of, of, of what she knows subconsciously, the temptation of her love for Sutter Kane, uh, you know, wanting to do things for him, or is it all predestined because Sutter Kane wrote it like that. So I, I when when I got into all that stuff, I, I think it was amazing, but it also made me realize that the the characters don't necessarily develop. They don't everyone is is the exact same person at the beginning as they are at the end. It's reality the reality that's changed. And for the most part they just deconstruct. So, very interesting one. I gave it a seven because I, 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 I love the characters, but it's it, this movie isn't necessarily about the characters. It's about the reality. 
So it's, it's a very weird thing. I kind of now feel like I maybe scored that a little low. So let's give it to Jay and see if I did. Go ahead, Jay. Uh, so I gave it an eight. Um, when you sent us the new categories, you put character slash development. Yeah, characters and, and then character development. That, right. That's always been that way. That wasn't right. anything yep. I'd added new. Yep. So um, I don't really feel like there needs to be development for me to score this a certain way. It's just how good are the characters? And um, I think you're wrong about them not going through any changes, at least in the uh, the sense of the main character, because by the end, he's fucking Looney Tunes. <laughs> and I, he I, well, I think he's the same character. Everything. I think well, reality's but changed, but he's the same character. But he starts off being completely skeptic, even to the point when people are shooting themselves in the head with shotguns. He's like, okay, that's great special effects. But by the end... He believes in it so hard that he's trying to burn the pages because he's afraid of them and what they may cause. Because reality changed. It's what she said in the in the car when they were driving Hobbs in. Uh, I don't know the exact quote, but she just says something along the lines of, uh, when reality changes... Uh, fuck, I wish I had that quote in front of me. Keep talking, I'm going to find that quote. No worries. Um... That's that's fair, I guess. If real, I mean, but still, it's still a change for the way he acts, um, because reality was changing around him the the entire time. But either way, I thought the characters were were really well done, um, and so that's that's why I scored it an eight. I thought they all did a a good job um, presenting who they were and and not deviating that. Sometimes characters are written and shown in a certain way, and then. At one point, they go against everything of how they were written just for the sake of plot, and that didn't happen, so I gave him an 8. All right, Kenneth, go ahead. Um, I gave it a 7, and I think the biggest reason why I got a 7 is because of Sam Neill's character. I mean, other than that, everybody else was just kind of there, and in this situation, we just kind of... You don't, you don't really have a lot of development in this. You got more of, okay, we are dropped into this story... From the beginning, this is how it's going to go. Okay? And that's kind of going into what you were saying. We don't have a whole lot of history behind these people or what they are or anything. We're just like, boom, here you are in this story. Go. Now, the reason why I gave basically Sam Neill the seven and not and, and all the reason why I didn't get higher is because I had to count every every one of the characters. Is your you're you're essentially this is this this whole thing is about his descent into madness. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I mean, it's in the name, in the mouth of madness. And and as as this character is dealing with these things, as Jerry put it, as reality changes around him, you know, you can see how he's starting to buckle under the pressure. Where at the beginning of the uh, at the other movie, he's this confident guy. He knows what he is. He knows what his job description is. He's badass at what it is. And then as it progresses further and further into the story, he gets to where he's more shot out. He's weaker. He even refers to himself at the beginning of it, which would be the end. But he refers to himself at the beginning of it when he's at the ward as somebody who's, you know, uh, how do how do they put it? A fucking um, uh, schizophrenic, sort of. He's like all schizophrenics has their they, or their them. And so as as he's progressing into this, you're just watching this man break down and break down and break down. And I think Sam Neill's, you know, the way he portrayed that was done very well. And, and and that's the reason why he pretty much got the seven. And like I said, if it had been if, if we'd have been doing a category just strictly based on him, then it would have probably gotten higher than that. And so, 
you know what I'm saying? It's it, it, it it's kind of weird to describe, but that's what I gave it. I gave I gave I gave the characters in the development a seven. Okay, yeah, I, I you and Jay have a point that John's character does change um his character a bit, though I still think it's more of reality. Here's what I was talking about. Um, Linda says, I just like being scared. Kane work scares me. John replies, what's to be scared about? It's not like it's real or anything. Linda says, it's not real from your point of view. And right now, reality shares your point of view. What scares me about Kane's work, what might happen if reality shared his point of view? John says, whoa, we're not really talking about reality here. We're talking about fiction. It's different, you know? Linda says, reality is just what we tell each other it is. Sane and insane could easily switch places if the insane were to become the majority. You would find yourself locked in a padded cell wondering what happened to the world. And to me, that's what I kind of, that's what really hit me when I was like, these characters, John's the same person. Reality changed. He's now seeing it from the new reality and what his character is in the new reality He's still the same person. He's still he's still the skeptic. He still goes to the movie theater to watch himself be played in a fucking movie, which is the scene where he truly goddamn loses his fucking mind as he accepts what reality has become. But I still, to me, feel like reality changed way more than any character changed. Well, technically, if you believe that uh, if you believe that everyone was written by Sutter Kane and everything done in this movie was as written by Sutter Kane, then most of the characters didn't change at all. That's fair. And you could, I mean, you could really get deep into this movie if you wanted to. And you could, I mean, you could essentially look at, you know, uh, Sam Neill as a guy that is, uh, that is slowly, you know what I'm saying? Let's say, let's take everything else away, and we look at him just himself. You could, you, you could. John Trent could be a guy who's dealing with the fact that he's becoming a a a person with a a person with a mental disorder. And so, like, let's say he he's never. We just use schizophrenia again. Let's say that he's never experienced anything like that to begin with in his life, and all of a sudden he's having to go through all that. All this shit right now that could be going on, and based on the quote that you gave me a little while ago, all this shit could be going on, and this could be a reflection of him and his delusion. Like, reality is going on the way it always has, but as you put it, for him, his reality is shifting. And so... In, in his mind, he's still the same person, but everything on the outside is changing. But for everybody else, everything is still the same, and John Trent is the one that's changing. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think there, I agree. There's a lot that you could go into this fucking movie, especially. I think any movie that deals with, like, any psychological horror has a lot you can go into. It's just how that genre is made. Uh, but we're going to move on to pacing and editing. Um, I gave it an 8. Uh, while the movie is rather slow through most of it, it's never boring because the movie's very good about letting out little pieces of information right when it's needed to keep you entertained with the mystery. It's a well-told uh, Sherlock Holmes movie on acid given to a person with schizophrenia. It, it's fucking great. Um, the editing is... is pretty top-notch as everything 
it's kind of hard to tell sometimes when you're going through and like John's going through the same scenes over and over. Uh, like I sat there and watched it and I wonder how many times they refilmed the same scene or they just cut and use the same scene because there were a lot of times where I really couldn't tell every time he drove up, uh, in Hobbs into that crowd of people. So I thought right. that was really well done. Uh, so for a slow movie, it keeps me very fucking entertained. So I gave it an eight Jay. So I, I don't even know if I'd call this movie slow. Um, like I, I, I guess it depends on how you define slow. So something to me like The Shining is a slow movie. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on in between the action, quote unquote. But this one, the story is so enthralling and the mystery that's being solved, I don't really consider any of it slow. Um, I gave it an eight as well. I just, I don't know if I'd use the term slow to describe it because while there isn't a whole lot of, uh, you know, action going on except you know way towards the end there's still a lot uh of of plot development going on i mean i don't agree with you so i don't know how to respond to that i feel like it is is a slow movie it's a movie like because when you look at a lot of like psychological movies uh they become more fast-paced as the character loses their mind um it's some it's kind of a trope you see in those type of movies but this movie, instead of doing that, falls more on the mystery. And most mystery movies, they unfold very slowly as they just give you these little pieces to kind of, you know, it's the little Reese pieces that draws the fucking alien in. Uh, just, you know, a few more steps and you get one little more piece. A few more steps, one little piece. As to where a lot of these movies, it's... Uh, fucking some fucking thing hits you on the side of the head you fall down camera shifts you go chasing down this fucking aisle to learn that it's a scene in them it's a scene in that movie i've never seen inception where the fucking uh hallway starts turning and they start like walking on the ceilings and shit yeah that part you know they're set to that kind of fast moving paste but this movie is set to a mystery pace instead of a psychological pace. Yeah, yeah. So I do. I agree. It's definitely not as slow as the fucking Shining. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've, i the Titanic went down faster than the Shining did. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah. So uh, Kenneth, pacing and editing. I gave it an eight. I mean, it was one of those movies where I, I agree with Jerry. It was a slower movie, but at the same time, everything was happening at a decent tempo to keep you involved in it. You know what I'm saying? It's not one of those movies where it was like fucking action packed, you know, bam, 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 bam. You know, somebody dies, somebody gets their head ripped off and then fucking this happens to this person. This happens to this person. It's not. It's a it's it's a uh, evolution. It's slash jazz. Yeah, there you go. It's it's an evolution that's going. That's it's a progression, and 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 it keeps you entertained. And you're just like, you know, in this movie, I don't really find that many places where it slows down so much to where it's boring, and you're just like, okay, come on, come the fuck on. It's not like that. But at the same time, to me, it's not all. It's not perfect either. You know, there's a couple of shots where I'm just like, okay, you know, you didn't have to take that fucking long to express what you wanted to do. But overall. It, it, I think it ran pretty smooth for the type of for the type of atmosphere that it has. 
See, I equate slow to boring, so maybe I'm just thinking of it in the wrong terms. Like yeah, a no, movie slow, to... slow doesn't mean boring. It just means that it's very calmly trotting around. Right, because you can have a slow burn movie that's not boring. Well, right, yeah, so... Again, yes, that's accurate. I do. There are slow burn movies that I like where like a lot of nothing happens until the very end. But I just don't feel like that's what was going on with this movie. So that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. But I can definitely see your guys' point too. Yeah. Well. Yeah, because like what you described is all is like every fucking found footage movie ever, for the most part. It's very. It's nothing fucking happens. Until, like, that last fucking five minutes, it's House of the Devil. This movie's just slow and nothing's fucking happening. See, I didn't like House of the Devil. That's I don't, I I don't like, I don't like that movie either. Uh, because it's a slow burn where the payoff doesn't fucking pay off. Um, so that's a slow movie that happens to be boring. This is a slow movie that happens to be entertaining. Mm. It's just, the tempo of it is slow. You know, it's, it's... It's a Stone Sour song, you know, it's, uh, I'm looking through the glass, I don't know how much time has passed, instead of, uh, you know, I'm gonna slit your throat and fuck the wound, you know, different tempos. Yeah, I get it, fair enough. Um, come listen to my spoken word where I will just (laughs) sit here and, uh, read you Slipknot lyrics. Oh, yeah. People uh, equal shit. People equal No, I'm not going to sing it. People equal shit. Yes. <laughs> people equal shit. Uh, what is the fucking... Uh, uh, spit it out. Spit it out. All I want to do is tear you down, bring you down. I don't know the lyrics to that fucking song anymore, okay? It's too old. New metal is dead. Okay. No. Is, are there any new metal bands anymore? Not that. Not new new metal bands. The ones, some of the ones that were, like Disturbed is still around. Slipknot's still around. I I want to go on record now. I never considered Disturbed new metal because they did not have any rapping elements. Is that a requirement for new metal? Yes, new metal is inspired by rap. Even yeah. fucking corn did fucking Scatman shit on their stuff. Yeah, they did. And you, I, argue how you want. Corn basically invented new metal. That's fair. Um. So yeah, I don't know, but I it guess a lot of this own thing. <laughs> Distort, disturbed is is a uh, a more radio version of new metal, if anything, but. If Corn created new metal and then Limp Biscuit killed, killed it, it. <laughs> wore its fucking corpse and made more money. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know, man. Limp Biscuit's first two albums were pretty fucking. Hey, I like $3 Bill and. That track with uh, Method Man's pretty good. Yeah, I do. I've got a Method Man hat sitting on my floor right now. You know, um, if, if, if Fred Durst just wouldn't have ruined nothing, it would have been great. Yo, y'all gonna watch that movie Fred Durst directed that has yes. John Travolta as a crazy yeah. fucking stalker you dude? Your fucking ass with a haircut, a haircut that looks like how I assume fucking Scientology is in bed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I will probably watch it. 
If I die, blame Scientology. Okay. You know. But fuck y'all. Y'all are going to die because y'all have measles on a fucking boat. You fucking idiots. Anyway. I, I agree with you. Uh, what are we on? Atmosphere! Uh, <laughs> I gave Atmosphere an 8 because it just does a fantastic job of, of slowly going insane but having to distinguish between is the character insane or is reality insane? Like, can we just agree the reality reality itself in this movie is a goddamn character? Yes, if, absolutely. Like, Cause Jesus Christ, uh, that, like this movie goes Jesus insane Christ. in a, in, yeah, exactly. Uh, insane like Jesus. Um, this movie just goes insane in a way that I just don't see in other movies where you're kind of like, no, the character's not insane because there's supernatural stuff happening. But at the same time, mass b- the apocalypse is being brought on by mass hysteria. And this movie's uncomfortable. You want to know why this movie's uncomfortable? It's, do you remember that scene where uh, John is having lunch with the uh, black dude who runs the insurance company that he does yeah, for? And uh, that guy who turns out to be the uh, manager of Sutter Kane comes through the window with the axe and he looks at John and he says, do you read Sutter Kane? That scene bothers me. You want to know why that scene bothers me? It's because his voice does not match his face. How he says, do you read Sutter Kane? Does not match his face. It does not match him. It does not match that person. He literally is not that fuck he is fucking someone who figured out a way to break out of this the fucking story that is being written by Sutter Kane. He somehow figured out a way to fucking do it, but he still has the influence because his pupils are starting to separate into two uh and they've gone that fucking ice blue color very much like my beautiful eyes I might oh, add. Fuck they're hot. Uh whoa Wow, you randomly sounded like that uh, one corn song featuring Fred Durst where it ends with them trying to fucking brick in each other's mouth. Uh, but I thought that was just my fan fiction. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but that has always fucking bothered me because I, he, he does not look like that. He, he does not fucking sound like that. It, it doesn't fucking work. It doesn't cooperate. I don't fucking understand it. And that's the atmosphere of this fucking movie. What the fuck? How do I owe money to... Wow, okay, sorry. I just got that's a fucking okay. email from Voodoo saying I just paid them $8. What did you buy? Nothing. My I literally dick? haven't even been on my Voodoo. I don't... Okay, I, I will look into that later, guys. Uh, atmosphere, Jay. Your reality is warping. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, I gave the atmosphere a nine. Um, this movie does an amazing job of making you experience what, uh, what's his name? Trent, right? Yeah, John Trent. Yeah, there you go. What he's going through and experiencing. You have no idea if, um, he's crazy, the story's crazy, the movie's crazy. You don't know. You don't know nothing. It's even at the end, you still don't know nothing. And I fucking love that shit. So I was, I was drawn in, um, right from the get go with this movie. Uh, and I absolutely love it. All right. Kenneth. 
I gave the atmosphere an eight. I mean, I thought I, th- I thought it definitely um, it, it definitely conveyed what it wanted to convey. Uh, I think there was a couple of times where the uh, the brightness of it kind of threw me off a little bit because I would have liked to have had there was a, there was like this scene when they were on the bus, and uh, you know where where he says I'm God and my favorite color is blue. Oh you, yeah, you remember that? Yeah, and, and so everything had that blue look for a minute. I was just like, if the whole movie would have had that blue look, it would have been it would have been fucking interesting. But my point is, is that there was a couple of times where it was a little too bright. But overall, the the ambiance and everything for the atmosphere definitely, uh, definitely fucking, you know, gave it really well. So I I, I gave the atmosphere an eight. All right, we're we're all coming in pretty close with each other here. Yeah, this is actually I think this might be one of the firsts. Yeah, we're, we're this close. I'm waiting for one of us to finally hit one that we we drop on, but we'll see. Uh, scenery slash set design. Uh, I gave it a nine. Every set looks absolutely amazing, and I just have zero complaints from the church to the mental uh, ward to fucking Hobbs End. Um, everything. I don't. I like like it. It's very. It's varied. We get to see different pieces of the town. We get to see different pieces of, I think they're in New York. Um, but we get to see all these different pieces. It's fucking, it's great. Uh, and I, I really, really fucking enjoy it. So, uh, Jay, what do you got? Uh, I gave it an eight. I thought everything worked really well. Um, the church and all of the, the church on the outside, the church on the inside towards the end, um, Everything related to the church was was probably my favorite. I absolutely love that. But nothing looked bad. Everything. I mean, it's for the most part, it takes place in the real world, so there wasn't too much to to go. But like the mental hospital at the beginning looked really good. I like how the uh, the entrance foyer was super bright. Um, but then once you get them in the hall with the rooms, it's like dark and dank, and um, the town looked fine. It gave off that small town vibe. I just didn't have a problem with really any of it at all. All right, Kenneth. We're scenery and set design, right? Yes. We're, I gave it a nine, and I thought I thought that it was really nice. Um, there was <laughs> I say really nice. There were areas of it that were really cool, like like Jay was saying, the mental the mental hospital looked awesome, and also um, I really really liked the uh, how they go from the the big city to like where they make Hobbs Inn look like this. It, 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 I guess it's one of the cool things that I like about it is it's not, they don't try to make Hobbs Inn look creepy, creepy. They make it, it looks like this fucking middle America town, you know, this middle America suburb kind of, kind of place, which I, I actually kind of like. So it's kind of like, but it, but it's got this fucking really badass looking church right in the middle of it. You know what I'm saying? That just kind of throws off everything. And so, uh, I actually really, really, uh, I really, really like that aspect of it. And so, and then going into the way the inside of the church looks, I like the way they did that. The, the set for the, uh, for the tunnel where they're, where they're running through, you know what I'm saying? I thought that looked really, really good. Um, it kind of looked like kind of a combination between hellish and spaceshipy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, it, it almost kind of reminded me of like what the inside, what, uh, uh, after the Xenomorphs take over some area, 
You know what I'm saying? And stuff like that. I, I, I kind of like the difference between how uh, in Aliens, the the way that the inside of the ships looked versus where the aliens themselves were. I thought that was really cool. So overall, I, uh, I actually really enjoyed the sets and stuff like that. So yeah, I gave it a nine. Yeah, I also want to like, uh, there's something cool with a lot of the um, Sutter Kane books in this movie. Uh, this isn't really scenery set design, but because a lot of the books are used in as scenery. Um, I want to talk about this real quick. Uh, so they show covers for a bunch of the books, but unless you like go and look online to see the cover of the books, you don't notice a lot of stuff like uh, his book, Sutter Kane's book, Haunter Out of Time shows Sutter Kane being writing a book by being told from the elder gods what to write from the old ones. It's nope. a person sitting at a typewriter with like old fucking gods writing on him. Uh if you look at uh the other one, the thing in the basement, that's um Miss Pe God damn it, what was her name? Miss Peck? Miss Pecker? Um uh, lady. Yeah, the old lady. What was her name? Miss Peck something, right? Uh, fucking Pecker. I can't remember. Uh, Pikmin. Pikmin. Miss Pikmin. Pikmin. Uh, that shows her as a monster in the fucking basement. Um, the feeding shows the kids uh, chasing a dog. Which, if you watch the movie, the dog has four legs when he's being chased through the town. Later on, when they show the kids and the girl, the little girl has blood on her face, when the dog runs away, he only has three legs. Oh, shit. Um, and the reason I thought about this is because um, one of the books is called The Breathing Tunnel, which is represented in uh, John Trent running through that tunnel. Yeah, so That's... everything's right there. It's actually really cool um, to see how much work that they put into to that. You know, and like... Can you imagine, looking at the begin- opening sequence of this movie, can you imagine how many of those covers were fucking printed to do that opening sequence? Yeah, that's fucking dope. I, w- I would love to have, uh, like, a, a poster that has all the book covers together. Because, like, there's two Ooh. more. There's the Hobbs in Horror, which, you know, shows, like, the church and shows all the monsters. And then the last one, of course, is um, In the Mouth of Madness, which you, you see in the movie... Um, uh, well, no, there's also The Whisper of the Dark, but I can't remember which one that one was uh, representing in the movie. But there's also, you know, the In the Mouth of Madness, which literally shows our fucking main character uh, in this fucking movie delivering or running away from the church and the monster that Mrs. Pickman becomes. Or not, well, I don't know. So I'm confused. Uh, I read some places where that monster that he sees when he runs away from Miss Pinkman in the basement and he sees that monster in the uh, greenhouse thing. Yeah, yeah. Some people were saying that is Miss Pinkman, but I was like, no, I don't think it is because they reference uh, how when they talk about in Hobbs Inn, they, they, that people see a monster in there sometimes. Um, and I don't know. I just don't I think, think they were Pickman. talking about Miss Pickman because that that reference to seeing the monster sometimes was supposedly in the same book where they talk about how she cut up her husband with the axe. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's the Maybe. same monster. Maybe it is. Then I'll, I'll give it to you. Uh, I was wrong with that one, guys. Uh, acting. Um. So I gave it a, a nine, and I actually came up on it because 
I originally had an issue with um, the uh, Linda character. Um, I thought uh, Julie Carmen, who played Linda Styles, was just so fucking wooden in this goddamn movie. And I was just like really not feeling it. But as it turns out, that was 100% on purpose uh, at the request of John Carpenter. So I raised my score because if the director wanted it, uh, I think it was meant to be like that and meant to be there. And it's not bad acting, but good acting done at the director's request. Uh, because that's how her character is supposed to be. Because it's someone who's doing what they're being told to do by the guy who wrote it. Hey, it's hard explaining that without it not making any fucking sense. So, I gave it a 9. I have no complaints. Um, and to me, sometimes it even feels like the actors aren't acting. If that makes sense. It feels real. Uh, choices characters make. Uh, or not choices, but how they come off. How they speak to each other. It all feels like I, I forget their acting sometimes. Um, so I don't know. Maybe this movie fucking did a number on me. Because I don't know if I've ever came this high for acting. <laughs> but uh, I gave it a 9. Jay, what did you give it? Uh, I gave it an 8. Uh, and Linda was my only complaint. Um, I didn't know that about uh, basically how she was acting being what they wanted her to do. So uh, my bad. But uh, yeah, we can't change our scores. So that's where it's at. Very true. Kenneth. Seven. Same reasons. I thought that, uh, you know, I didn't like the way that uh, she did her acting. Um, I I didn't like the guy at the beginning with the axe, you know, with his eyes all fucked up and and the voiceover just kind of threw me off with that. But that didn't have nothing to do with acting. But, you know, I'm saying I really just didn't. I didn't like that. There was a couple of places where I just thought that it was overdone. You know what I'm saying? So I gave it a seven. But uh, knowing what I know now, I probably would have raised it up a little bit also because I didn't know that either. I went on like a five minute rant about that scene and you didn't say one thing. You could have agreed with me and said it didn't fit and it didn't make sense, and that's why it's fucked up. But I think it's on purpose. Yeah. All right, I'm not getting anything out of you for that one. So we move <laughs> on to special effects, kills, and gore. Um, I gave it a seven. There are some effects that don't hold up. The ripping of the paper being one of them, it just doesn't look good to oh, me. I like that. Uh, it, it, it does not look good to me. Um, most of the monster shards are quick, um, but they look good. But the old lady uh, looks like a looks like some kind of like wooden um, fucking dancing rodent at Chuck E. Cheese performing on an instrument. Um, and so that was a problem for me. Um, it just that. that uh, miniature they used didn't look good um, and to me none of the kills are really super impressive uh, but the movie really isn't about that uh, there's a lot of other special effects in the movie that are really good unfortunately it just seems like the two big ones they focused on uh, that they gave you more lingering shots on to me both didn't look good and all the ones that looked good they didn't really give you good shots of so I, I ended up only giving it a 7 Jay Oh man. Um well I gave I gave it a nine. I loved everything. Uh I like that that page. I mean, obviously I could tell it was a green screen, but 
I just kind of chalked it up to the time, and I like I like the overall effect in general. Um, I loved the monster design, um, fantastic. I just I yeah I loved all the special effects in this. All right, Kenneth. Um, I gave it a nine. Also, I actually really liked all the stuff in this. I mean, there were a couple of times. That's the reason why I didn't get a ten. There were a couple of times where I was just like, eh, that probably could have been done better. But overall, I actually really liked it. I mean, there were some things that definitely reminded me of the thing, you know. So I actually, uh, I actually, you know, scored this one pretty high because I really enjoyed it. Fair enough. Looks like we finally hit one that we we sl- not not that far off. Seven still a good score. Uh, we move on to monster slash killer. Uh, I gave it an eight. Do you count Sutter Kane? Do you count the Elder Gods? Are they one and the same, or is it just the fra- fragility of the human mind? Either way, it's even it, it, it's hard to pin down, but it's amazing either way. I just wish I had a more prominent figure to point through. But I guess that's the point of, of it being a mystery is that you don't really know till the end. And then by the time you know, is it the puppet or the gods controlling the puppet? But what happens when that puppet says they are God? So I was kind of a little confused on who I should pick there. It's kind of a combination of Sutter Kane and the Elder Gods. Does Sutter Kane rise to the rank of the Elder Gods? I don't know. Um... But I, I still gave it an 8 because it's still fucking really uh, cool of this guy bringing the apocalypse because the Elder God started talking to him and used his uh, uh, ability to write as a way to fucking make this happen. Um, so that was dope. Jay? Uh, I also gave it an 8. I gave it an 8 because basically what you said, that it wasn't very, uh, it wasn't very clear as to who exactly the um the villain was i mean obviously you had sutter kane but then the implications that he may or may not be actually in control and causing all this you know is is kind of up in the air so that's where i landed on it gotcha kenneth i give it an eight also i mean i the way i I look at it is i just kind of call it the entity you know and, and you could go any direction that you want to go with that I mean, it could be, you know, the entity in this could be the the psychological issues that Sam Neill's going through. The entity could be the cat in the background meowing. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't you ever apologize for cats meow. They are always allowed. <laughs> the entity could be, you know, the elder gods. The, the entity could be, you know, could be considered Sutter Kane. I mean, it could be anybody, you know. And I, I, I gave it an eight because you've got all those different aspects that are involved in 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 the 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 darkness per se and uh, uh but the reason why i didn't get any higher than that is again with you guys it's because there's no real clarity and i kind of you know even though i kind of think the 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 ominous aspect of it is kind of cool at the same time i actually do want a little bit of clarity in this movie because there there's so many different questions that i i would i would like to have some form of answers for yeah because when he says you know uh when he's in that bus scene and he goes, uh, I'm God and my favorite color is blue. Okay, did you rise to the rank of an elder god? Were you like fucking Zeus banging a chick and creating Hercules and then Hercules has to go through the ranks of doing all these deeds to make it happen and the elder gods were like, well, you brought on the apocalypse on a planet so I guess you can join our ranks now. 
You're right. I mean, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm with you. All right, we move on to Hero. Um, I gave the Hero a 7 because I don't know if there's a Hero in the movie. There's no happy ending. John didn't save anyone. He wasn't successful in warning anyone. So a great character, but this time the protagonist just isn't a hero. I mean, he tried, kind of, I guess, but sometimes you can't win because that's life. So I, I just gave it a 7 because it's a good protagonist, but not a good hero. Or I don't know if he was even a good protagonist. He didn't... He failed. We all died because he fucking failed, but everything was stacked against him. It was predestination. I don't know. So, a seven. Jay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I also gave the hero a seven. I, I did that because it's unclear. Uh, we we obviously know that, that Trent's the main character there, um, but he is also, by by hand of God, I guess, responsible for the outcome of the movie, which kind of makes him partly the villain, too. Um, I don't think there really is a hero, per se, in this movie, um, and that's so. That's yeah. That's why I gave it a seven because there's real no. It's it's hard for me to rate a hero that doesn't exist. Um, so seven for his his first part of the movie trying to solve the crimes, and then that that's kind of it. Yeah. All right, Kenneth. Um, I gave it a five, and because of you know it's. Again, there's no real hero. I mean, you got half and half, really. You know what I'm saying? So the half of John Trent that's trying to be the hero and trying to fix shit and doesn't want to, you know, whatever, let everything go downhill and whatnot, and, you know, at some point tries to warn somebody and whatever, I give him a five for that. You know what I'm saying? I give him a good score for that half. But the other half of it, I mean, it's just like if you want to look at it, if he's considered the hero and and that's his sole purpose, and then we watch the movie, he did a shitty job. So, I mean, when it really comes down, I gave it a five because I think yeah, he did I, a shitty job as a hero. He did. He's a terrible <laughs> hero. Never I mean, so. trust a uh, insurance uh, investigator as your hero. Not a good person. Um, all right, we move on to score slash soundtrack slash sound design. Um, I gave it a seven because, uh, you know, it's pretty good. Uh, the opening and end credits are uh, an inner Sandman ripoff. So there's that. Uh, but the sound design was fantastic. I just, I, I just don't remember the score besides the inner Sandman ripoff. So nothing, nothing sh- struck me as bad, but nothing blew me away. Jay. Uh, seven. I fucking love that opening song. I was like, this is the rockinest printing press montage I've ever seen. Yeah, it's Inner Sandman by Metallica, but it's they couldn't not afford Inter it. Sandman. Actually, it is. John Carpenter literally said they wouldn't give us the rights to Inner Sandman, so we created it. Yep. Oh, Jesus. You know That's what? That's a fact. You know, Jay, if you literally take like 10 minutes and just go through IMDb trivia I... before you record, you or, would or know watch so many things. videos. I don't yeah, have, or watch Minty. I barely have time to watch the movies we need to watch. We'll <laughs> stop playing video games. It, listen, my <laughs> life also all work. Also, stop having sex. Uh, I got you know YouTube, what? I got just YouTube stop premium. eating. I got stop YouTube drinking. Premium, so it still it uh, still goes when I close the screen on my phone, so I can still listen to the videos when I'm doing other things like a podcast. So yeah, actually, breathing is probably a waste of time too. Just stop that I'm also. <gasps> 
Uh, I gave it a seven overall, though. I still agree uh, with you. Uh, nothing, nothing super memorable. Um, nothing, uh, but nothing terrible either. <laughs> All right, Kenneth. I got the score nine. I actually really, really liked it. Rip off or not? I really liked that uh, that opening song. I enjoyed it. Um, I liked the end of it. I liked the stuff in the middle. I mean, overall, I mean, it was just really, really good. I enjoyed it. But can you like hum anything besides the opening and ending song? Like, does anything like like does any of that like stick with you in the same way? Like, you know, some I like more. The, okay, I, I like the eerie sounds. Like, especially when you've got the eerie music underneath everything else. When the kids are chasing after the dog, I also like the uh, the sound design that came in when you see at, right after that, where you see Kane and he and he's at the doors of the church. And you see the kid in the ba- kid in there, and then the doors fly open, fly open, and fly open, and then all of a sudden it's Kane. I actually really, really enjoyed that. Uh, My problem is, is I can I, I remember there being eerie music. I couldn't tell you what it sounded like to save my life because it just it doesn't, it didn't stick. Yeah, well, normally the score doesn't when it comes to you. Ain't that right, sweetheart? But but well, that's what I'm saying. Like I like, but when I think of scores that do stick. You know, for for better or for worse, you know, like if I gave it a lower score, like uh, like say The Shining, because it was fucking too loud, I can sit there and be like, yeah, it had all these Native American. I can describe that sound to you, but in this movie, I couldn't describe a sound to you, besides that opening and ending thing. Like I can describe, like if I watch a fucking movie and the soundtrack like fits perfectly, I can be like. Yeah, there's a part where, you know, this person's getting chased and it has this really quick up-tempo that just kind of crashed. Like, I can describe it. But for some reason with John Carpenter movies, I'm always just like, I don't know, there was some sense or something that was that was there. Like, he, I love John Carpenter's The Thing. The, I only remember the, the, the fucking theme for it because it's just like one tone that just goes doom-doom. Doom-doom. Like, it's so basic. I hear. Yeah. You. I don't know. I just okay. I'm sorry. I, I've also got at this current moment. I've got Event Horizon going on the TV, and I just discovered a big problem that I have with the movie. No, can't change scores now. You I fucked know. up. Uh, okay. Uh, scare factor. Uh, I gave it a nine because nothing is scarier than losing your mind, uh, except when everyone is losing your mind and you can't stop the madness. You can't stop a crazy person shooting up a bookstore, so to speak. Uh. This this movie is a great representation of the reminder as everything's going on in this movie as it talks about riots and, you know, people going crazy because of the, You can't stop crazy. There's nothing you can do to make crazy not fucking happen, okay? It will eventually always make its way there. Uh, eventually, someone will stop taking their pills because... They forgot one day on accident and the voice happened to slip through. And then the next thing you know, they're jacking off and shooting up a Kmart. I don't know why they're doing it at the same time, but the voice has fucking told them to. Uh, And you are Jack Trent. There's nothing you can do to stop that. Crazy is inevitable. Are there still Uh, Kmarts that you can jack off in front of and then shoot up? I don't know, but for some reason, when I, I, I always use Kmart, like I used to make jokes about 
uh, blowing dudes behind Kmart. I, I just always use Kmart for some reason. Because it's trashy. Uh, it's they like have the blue Walmart. light special. Yeah. It's and gross. Big K drinks. Yep, so can't you true. get head behind fucking like Sears or JCPenney's or something? Really? You're going to talk shit about Kmart not existing and you're going to bring up fucking Sears? Yeah, you're There's fired. still Sears around. Yeah, and I'm sure there's, there's still K-Marts. a few Kmarts. There's still a fucking not, Blockbuster in Alaska. You're not, well, actually, I think they closed it down. Motherfucker. I'm, this world does not deserve to live anymore. But I've still got a Sears within my within driving distance of me. I don't think that I've got a Kmart within driving distance. What, what state? state do you live in? Huh, what, what state do I live in, really? Yeah. Do you not know what state I live in? No. Oh, my God, man. We're, I thought we were friends. We are friends. I don't memorize people's states. I live in Georgia. Ash. Georgia. Don't get mad at me. Yes, Kmart still exists. There are none in Georgia, though. <laughs> uh, there is one uh, in Lebanon, Tennessee. I can I can actually go to one. You know, Jay, so you I... probably would know what state that I lived in had you sent that picture. You know, you know. Because I've been waiting I, on that poster for like, what, two years now? I owe you big. I'm, I'm going to do it one of these days. And I'm going to send you just the best fucking package. Do you even know where it's at? Yes. I had never got rid of it. Because well, I, I know you didn't get rid of it, but you've moved, I think, like twice since you did that. I'm trying to see if there's a Sears next to me now. Apparently there's not a Sears. Oh, wait, here we go. Uh, yes, there's a Sears outlet, a Sears heating and air conditioning, and a Sears appliance repair. Uh-huh. I guess a Sears outlet. Oh, wait, they're all the same place. They're just named three different things <laughs> for some reason. Uh, okay. But there is still a Kmart within driving distance of me. So therefore, I can lose my mind and go into a Kmart and commit atrocities. Uh, And no one will be able to stop me unless they listen to this podcast and think that I was being, that this was something I was going to do and not just an analogy for this movie and the problem of mass shootings that that, uh, fucking America has and many other countries has that's based off crazy people. There's nothing you can do to stop crazy people. So, I mean, there is, but you have to go as far as, like, communist Russia and start, like, killing them. I watched a video of this dude in San Francisco today <laughs> where his pants were, like, three-quarters of the way down his ankles, and he looked like he was headbanging from the waist and not the head so on the street. fucking? I mean, dude, he was, like, standing there, like, like fucking, like, new metal headbanging. <laughs> and he was standing there and fucking like I said his pants were like he's, he had some kind of shorts underneath but they were like athletic shorts that were around his ankles and he was and, and he was just sitting there and just like swinging his head his, the whole top half of his body up and down and jumping and shit like that and then he would pull his pants up and start doing it again it was pretty funny see you can't stop crazy alright Jay go ahead scare factor uh, I gave the scare factor an 8 uh, losing my mind is an actual scare, a uh, fear of mine. Um, I think it's something that I could possibly experience at some point in life. And I think this job, this job, this movie does a good job of conveying uh, those feelings through its characters. Uh, so yeah, I gave it me. It's a, it's a pretty frightening situation to be in, not knowing what's real happens, and what's not. I hope you take an axe through a Starbucks window and then just look at it and be like, "Do you listen to Kill the Cast?" 
<laughs> uh, I'm in. We'll get all the fucking notoriety we want then. Yeah. Uh, today, at 9, learn about a podcaster who went crazy and threatened to kill people with an axe at a Starbucks. I like that headline. Let's make this happen. Jay, yeah. stop taking medicine. Please okay. do it. Make sure it's at Starbucks. Stop, stop taking medicine and start eating a shit ton of sugar. But then I'll just die. That won't drive me well, crazy. Well, no, you'll, you, well, before you get into the fucking diabetic coma, your anxiety will shoot up. Make sure that you're your checking craziness. your sugar. And once you get around like 425, 450, then go do it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you won't go into a sugar coma until like 550. Right. Okay. So, so you still got 100 to go. Yeah, you're fine. I, I, I hit 535. You can do this. I have faith in you. All right. I got this. All right. Um, Kenneth, what do you have for scare factor? I gave it a seven. And I mean, I thought for me personally, while I loved the story and I thought it was very interesting, it was okay scary. It wasn't like, you know, creep me out and get under my skin scary. I think that just means that you're the sanest person on this show. Mm, oh, that's that probably true. Kenneth is also the only person on the show who has not tried to kill himself. So he is literally the sanest. Like, if you're going to take advice from any of us, you take it from Kenneth. <laughs> he has a better track record. Unless I've never had to kill Kenneth. yourself. I have never intentionally Jay, tried to kill myself. Jay, you and I failed at killing ourselves. Why would you ask us how to kill yourself? Once oh. again, Kenneth has a better track Damn. record because he's right. never failed. You he's Kenneth. never tried, but he's never <laughs> failed. Like I said, I never did it on purpose. There have been many times where I've done stupid shit and almost killed myself, but not on purpose. <laughs> yeah, uh, like the time you flew off a skateboard and fucked up your wrist. That shit was hilarious. Oh, like the time you flew off a skateboard and busted your fucking head. All of that was recent. Okay, well, you know, I don't know why you got to bring it the past. Um, <laughs> entertainment slash rewatchability. Uh, I gave it an eight because uh, it's great entertainment the first few times you watch it. You're putting all this stuff together. You're uh, As you do research on it and you start learning the Lovecraft stuff, you start pointing that shit out. Um, you start noticing things like uh, weird shit like Sutter Kane has the exact amount of letters as Stephen King. Yeah. Uh, both take places in, like, a main setting. Um, but eventually, you will know it all, and it will lose its effect. Uh, I have not hit that amount of times. I'm still in the magic times. But eventually, you will see this movie enough that some of that magic is going to be gone because you know it all. Um, I do think this this movie has a expiration date so i i could only give it an eight uh jay uh i gave it a nine now i i lack the um benefit of having watched the second time and this is the first time i've ever seen the movie um but i enjoyed it quite a bit that uh i really want to watch it again and so that's kind of where my score came from just my initial like holy shit i could i bet i could watch this movie a bunch of times and just find little things Hidden oh, throughout yeah, as I watch sure. it. Um, so I threw it a nine for that reason. I remember when Kenneth first made me watch this, I like, uh, you know, it was only two years ago or something like that, if, if even that long. And I told, and I told Kenneth, you know, this movie truly is a hidden gem. Cause when you find it, you are just like, I cannot believe I did not know about this movie. 
So, speaking of Kenneth, go ahead, Kenneth. Entertainment, right? Give it an eight. Yeah. I give it an eight. I mean, I'm, I'm always down to watch this movie. I mean, shit. I, I, when this was one of those that I, uh, I specifically wanted to get when I heard that it was, um, when I heard that it was coming out for, for a shout factory release. So, um, you know, I actually really enjoy this movie and I've seen it quite a few times, um, since the first time that I ever watched it. So, uh, you know, for, for me, I mean, it definitely, it definitely gets an eight. And, you know, the only reason why it doesn't get a 10 is because obviously there's going to be other movies that I would probably choose to watch over it if I had them all in my hand. But for the most part, it would definitely be up there. Yeah. All right. Uh, we move into pop culture. Um, I gave it a five. Uh, it's not really known in major pop culture unless you count the John Trent eating popcorn gif, which if you do, the Michael Jackson one still beats it. Or there's a small time rapper who may still exist named Sutter Kane. Uh, but even in horror, I feel like this movie isn't talked about enough or even given the respect it deserves, which we're changing here tonight, by the way. Um, but unfortunately, it's it's just not known in wider pop culture or in horror pop culture, which is, to me, really, really sad. Um, I hugged my Laserdisc copy of In the Mouth of Madness and cried <laughs> over it. So, uh, Jay, what do you got? Uh, I gave it a seven. Uh I probably should have scored it a little bit lower. I Basically, I had the same reasoning as you. Um, it's not really brought up, even in the horror groups. I had never watched it before we needed to for this podcast. I can honestly say I don't think I've even ever heard of it until I really started getting into to horror. Like I, So I've always liked horror, um, but doing this podcast has clearly uh, increased that, uh, you know, the amount of movies I've watched. And so I kind of count, when we started this podcast, my real deep dive into the horror genre as a whole. And before then, I don't even think I had heard of this movie. Uh, so in all reality, I probably should have scored this a little bit lower. But seven is where I ended up. That's an interesting point, Jay, that uh, there, like I think back on a lot. And I'm like, you know what? There are a lot of movies I can think of that were first-time watches for you that we did on this podcast. Yeah, so like I've always I've always liked the genre, um, but it's I I think I was like a lot of common horror fans out there where I just stuff that was advertised as the stuff I saw. Um, there are a few you know that I rented as a kid and and saw on like USA and and Monster Vision and all that that uh, that that could be considered gems. But yeah, since we started doing this podcast, I've really really increased my uh, amount of movies, even outside of the ones that we have to watch to record. It just, it has me in a mindset of wanting to dive into the genre more and more. Yeah. Cause I can think of quite a few movies we've done that, that like when I brought them up, you had never even heard of them. Uh, you know, a lot of them are, are a lot harder to find movies. Like, you know, people wouldn't think of like Marabito or, you know, opera stuff like that, that you just don't re you don't really, really think of. Um, unless you're deep into like Japanese horror or Italian horror as you go through those kind of things. But that is, that, that is interesting. It's almost like when, cause for me, that moment was when I met Kenneth, Kenneth opened me to a wider world of horror by showing me things that I had never seen or heard of, you know, like Lucio Fulci's zombie. I had such sights to show you. <laughs> you did. So like that, like that's kind of, that's a neat thing to go from like, 
a standard horror fan to like becoming that getting that seasoning put on you yeah yeah i'm more well versed in the genre yeah it was definitely it was definitely nice growing up and having people around me that were you know really into watching it like my dad and alan and my mom and things like that uh, people like that that you know i kept the 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 movie watching going from very very early on yeah but keep in mind people there's a downside to that too, because sometimes your asshole friend shows you Cannibal from 2006, <laughs> and then sometimes no, you your asshole it. friends make you watch Cannibal from 2006 to record it for a podcast. Exactly. Um. So, Kenneth, pop culture. I give it a four. Okay, so you're 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 in line with me. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think when this movie came out, I was 11, 12, and um, you know, I can remember when it came out. But I remember it wasn't it wasn't a big thing, you know, when it came out. I just remember I remember it being up on the, you know, up on the video store shelf for rent. But it wasn't like it wasn't one of those movies that, you know, I remember seeing the previews for it on other movies for when it was coming out. But it wasn't one of those things that damn it wasn't it wasn't huge. You know what I'm saying? It, it really wasn't. It was one of those that just kind of slid underneath through it. And the only reason why it got any kind of uh, it got any kind of uh, publicity or anything else like that is because it was the next John Carpenter movie. Yeah, and I I I, I wish I would have gotten to see this movie in theater because I think it would look great on a big screen. Unfortunately, the uh, priest who was supposed to take me uh, fucking canceled for a younger boy. <laughs> so uh so the conversation we just had about like um getting seasoned in horror actually brings us to our last category and this is a new category and it's called representation this category is going to talk about how this movie represents horror and or uh, a specific subgenre of horror and how well of a job it does of that does it do anything new does it uh is it, you know, a classic staple? Uh, is there just things that do it better so it, like, it gets a lower score? You know, things like that. Um, so give us a little bit because we, uh, ha- we may change how we feel about this category. It may, the scores for how we do this may change as we go forward. Uh, but for right now, we want to test out representation. Uh, so for me, I gave it an eight. Uh, I would say this is a great representation of psychological horror and one of the best uses of Lovecraft horror. It is a true hidden gem in horror. Um, in fact, it probably would be a 10 if it was more well known, but because it's not well known, but still absolutely fantastic. I hit, I think it hits this sweet spot of eight. If someone was like, I want to watch, you know, a very Lovecraftian horror, this would be one I would fucking love to go to um if someone wanted a psychological horror but they wanted something different they didn't want you know a kevin bacon stir of echoes you know they didn't want a memento i would be like here's something different you can watch um so i ended up giving it an eight um jay go ahead Uh, i also gave it an eight and the only reason i really took points away is because of how less known it is um, I think if you take the subgenres that it ticks off, uh, you know, like you said, psychological horror, Lovecraftian horror, um, 
Sam Neill horror. Yeah, Sam Neill movies. Um, I think it it fulfills all those great and represents, like, if someone were like, all right, I really like Lovecraft, give me a couple of movies to watch, this would probably most definitely be on the list. But because it's lesser known, I felt that it's, you know, that kind of ties into how much representation it has. Jason is a very well-known slasher. It's a perfect 10 for representation of the genre, uh, depending on which movie you pick. Um, but since this is lesser known, I, I had to knock a couple points off of that and gave it an 8. All right, Kenneth. I gave it a 9. I think it does a great job of representing a few different genres. I mean, it definitely represents... Uh, when you get into it, it's got the psychological aspects of it. It definitely has the lean to, you know, the nods to other movies that came out. You know, well, not other movies, but other different aspects of the of, of the horror genre. I mean, you've got your your obvious nods to Stephen King. you got your obvious nods to uh, a horror fiction in book form. You know, which is awesome. You got your you and and the more that it leans to how it's gone around because you like you got leans to H.P. Lovecraft and leans to uh, or nods to H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. You got uh, Stephen King you just and H.P. Lovecraft twice. Stephen, I was I was the fuck. He's I was I was damn correcting myself um, for Stephen King and H.P. Lovecraft. Okay. You've got them both. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of that in there. I think it did a great job on that. And then also you got aspects of body horror that are in there too, where you got people changing and shifting into these creatures, you know, like you, like the cop at the beginning, the one that sits down next to him on the couch, you, the way his face looks and stuff like that. That's, that's body horror right there. Uh, the people that did anybody else think maniac cop when the cop looked up and his face is all fucked up. Yes. Um, but you got those, you got those aspects of it. So I think there's a lot of things that are represented in this movie. The unfortunate thing is, is like we talked about a little while ago that it, it, it just didn't get out to the masses like it should, but there's definitely a lot of things in here that represent the horror genre. So I gave it a nine. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think for once, cause we didn't have a big conversation about what representation, how we were going to score it and everything. But I think for once, we all knew exactly what it was. I'm really proud of ourselves. This is not like the time we had the argument over pop culture in Seven versus uh, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, this movie is just fucking fantastic. I like, And there's like a lot of small touches. Like it, When you're looking inside the church, all of the torches are set so they look like an upside-down cross. That's you cool. know it's little thing or and you know like uh there's a line in here where uh they go more people uh where Sutter Kane goes more people believe in my work than the Bible uh and it just made me think about when the Beatles said they're bigger than God well you know true is true uh no the Beatles suck um but whatever listen. L- but, you listen but, but they were still more popular than God. That wasn't an uh, That's thing. not, no, I, I'm pretty sure, uh, even if you just count that I'm, I'm pretty sure they're talking about the Christian God, pretty sure there's more people who are fans of the Christian God than they are of the Beatles. Maybe. I wish it wasn't true. You know, kill your masters, burn your gods. It's the truth of the land. Eat the rich. Uh, Eat the witch. Uh, yeah. Have sex with a mountain Then they'll of return salt. the favor, and it'll be the best head you've ever gotten. What if you? If you? Uh, what if the the witch doesn't want to give you a head, but instead put on a strap on and peg you? If that's what you're into, man, I don't judge. Okay. No kink shaming. No, get that shit out of here, <laughs> Kenneth. Uh, I also want to point out that uh, when I was writing down all our all our uh, scores, 
and I shortened uh, of uh, the names, Event Horizon became EH, aka Exploding Heads, you know, clicky clackety. Uh, and In the Mouth of Madness became It Mom, which makes me think of Pennywise getting scolded by his mom. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, here is our scores. I thought I told you to stop going to that dimension and torturing those poor kids. God damn it. <laughs> Pennywise, I said no dark meat. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, he, never ate, he never ate the black kid, but yeah. it's because his mom won't let him. Uh, uh, so, uh, I came in dead middle with 117 points. Jay came in the highest with 122, and Kenneth came in the lowest with 115. Aww. So that's a pretty fucking good score. I, I honestly think anytime uh, a movie gets higher, if it breaks 100, that is a huge recommendation for us. That's true. Honestly. This so. was a first time watch for me, too. So it might have been, scores might have been a little different on multiple watches. Yeah, yeah, they always change. But all right, next we are going to get into event. Horizon. All right. Event Horizon came out in 1997 by Paul W.S. Anderson. Very important you get the W.S. in there because there's already a Paul Anderson. Isn't this the same guy that did the Resident Evil movies then? Yeah, he did Mortal Kombat. He did a lot of money. So they were like, do this movie. And he got super into doing Event Horizon. But then they were like, not like that. We gave you too much freedom. And they made it edit a bunch of shit out. Um, so, Event Horizon came out in 1997, rated R. Uh, a rescue crew investigates a spaceship that disappeared into a black hole and has now returned with someone or something new on board. A 6.7 on the IMDb. Um, this is another movie that I watched because of Kenneth, funny enough. <laughs> so, with that going, we are going to start with Kenneth. Go ahead for story slash script. I gave it an 8. I actually really, really like this story. I like the concept of it. Um, I really dig the... There's just something to me that that, that that I really enjoy and is slightly unnerving about deep space and figuring out and, 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 and the whole, you know, dimensional travel and going from one side of the universe to the other side of the universe or different universes and stuff like that. There's just something to me that, that, that is really intriguing, but at the same time, very unnerving. You know, like, uh, I, I don't know if Jerry, I don't know if you remember, but when I went on that whole big interstellar tirade where it was like, oh, God, I was having, yeah. and I was having to have a conversation with your dad and one of your dad's friends and stuff like that about how space time and all the rest and the theory of relativity and all that shit work together. I mean, it was, it was intense when I got into that one. So I, I gave it an eight. I really like it. I just wish that it, it it had been more fleshed out. I wish there was more to it. And I don't know whether, you know, we've we've had the the discussions, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more as we go through this, but damn, a lot of shit was taken out. You've already mentioned it once already, so I don't know whether it was the director or the writers or whatever. I just uh, wish there had been the more company, to it. The company, uh, the, the Warner Brothers, I believe, is who put this out. But uh, it was not the director's choice or anyone who actually did work on the film, uh, when he presented the film to the company that, you know, that was paying for it all, they were like, uh, no, tone that shit down. Um, because while he was making the movie, they gave him carte blanche. He could do whatever the fuck he wanted. He had almost total, complete freedom. He literally was the first person who got to film in Pinewood Studios 
right after Kubrick was done with Eyes Wide Shut. Which, funny enough, Kenneth watches that movie with his eyes wide shut. Me too. Uh, I once heard Kenneth would rather listen to Arms Wide Open by Creed for the same amount of time as that money, as that movie runs, than watch Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, that movie's fucking terrible. Uh, But yes, uh, the uh, studio slapped him afterwards and made him edit all that shit out. But yeah. So like I said, I gave it an 8, and I think it's, that's the biggest reason for it is because it's lacking those things. Yeah. All right, Jay. Um, I also gave it an 8. Pretty much the same reasons. Um, I really enjoyed the, uh, the story. I had seen deep space horror movies before, and I had seen supernatural horror movies before, but I don't think um, that they both have been blended so well before this movie and so that was something new but like kenneth i really wish that there was just just a little bit more maybe like 10 15 minutes at the most to just just flesh out everything a little bit more yeah all right um i'm at a seven uh it's a standard concept with a new flair uh it's the same setup you know a ship needs to be rescued uh but the reasons are different um they they take the you know uh, we got to rescue the ship, uh, you know, a la Alien, but it's going to uh, come from a portal that's been opened uh, from hell, a la Doom, uh, using imagery, a la Hellraiser. Um, which is a great fucking combination. I, 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 I get behind that completely, but I gave it a 7 because while most of the times the talk about what's been edited out of the movie was more of the violent stuff, I have to feel... There is some story stuff that was lost. Uh, there has to be some narrative stuff that was just fucking lost. Because they really don't explain shit in this movie. But there's certain scenes that make you feel like stuff is explained. Um, like, it wasn't until I watched it this week that I realized that um, uh, Sam Neill's uh, character... Weir? Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, weird. Yeah. That his wife committed suicide while he was creating uh, the uh, Event Horizon. Uh, for I always thought she was on the Event Horizon. Oh, uh, no, yeah, no, 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 I never got that. No, 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 no. He, he explains it later on where, where uh, yeah, I, 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 you said you just got it? Yeah, I just got that. For some reason, yeah. I always thought she was on the Event Horizon, and no, 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 it no. wasn't in this time that I realized she committed suicide. Before, I guess it's because I got thrown off because he technically gets touched by the event horizon before they ever get there. Because he has that dream where he sees her on the event horizon. Or he has like a dream about her with her eyes torn out and shit like that. Uh, which is the event horizon somehow reaching far out and, and touching him now that it's shown back up in this plane of space. Yeah, see, um, well, the thing about it is, I think the I, uh, my personal opinion on that is, I think the reason for that is the reason why he can have a little bit more of that link is because he's the creator of the we, ship. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's definitely he's gonna, you know, he has the most emotional attachment to this ship. You know, he's got, you know, his DNA is all over this motherfucker. Um, right. But and so when the when the ship goes into the into the alternate dimension, we'll say when the ship goes into the alternate dimension and comes back beforehand, it's not alive. When it comes back, it's alive. So therefore, that's when, like you said, when it comes back into this plane of existence, it would have that mental link immediately with him. 
Yeah, exactly. But that always threw me off and made me think that she was on the event horizon and it was her contacting him. And I never really got until this week when I watched it under a critical eye for podcasting that I caught that. And it made it started making me think that, you know what, I think that there's got to be other narrative things that would probably be made clearer with what was edited out. Uh, and it's a real it's a real fucking shame that we will never get the complete version of this movie. And I, I, I can't say the other thing because it jumps ahead too much. But I gave it a seven. So, all right. Cinematography, technical aspects, Kenneth. Gave it a nine. I really like the way this movie was shot. Um, I liked how you go from... In this one, in this one for a space movie, you know, most most of the time when you're inside of a ship, you get that that claustrophobic feeling from the small areas, you know, like like even more in depth with the isolation, you know, like Alien was, you know, you get a lot more of that. But in this one, you don't. There's a lot of there's aspects of it in certain like when they're going through little air corridors and stuff like that or when they're on their ship and not on the event horizon there's a little bit more of uh, of the tighter spaces on the smaller one but when you get on the event horizon you got huge scope in a lot of these areas especially in the room where the heart of it is you know where the where the the interdimensional thing that you know you know what I'm talking about the gateway yeah. you know the gravity drive yeah, the gravity drive. You got a lot of you got a lot of scope in there. You got a lot of scope when they first walk into the event horizon when they're in that long corridor with the uh, with the explosives in it and stuff. I mean, so you got I really really liked and the angles that they put them in for to give it even more scope. I thought it was done really well, and I also like the way that they kind of pan around the ship itself and then into the sets because you know outside it's more than likely green screen or whatever. But then then they come into the sets to kind of to kind of give it the the scope of space and then back inside. And I, I just really like the way it was done. All right, Jay. Uh, I gave it an eight. I like Kenneth. Uh, I thought the angles used. Um, the approach to shooting the different parts of the, the different ships that we got to see uh, were done really, really well. Um, I didn't really have any issues that I can think of. Um, nothing that really bothered me. Everything was just done done really well. It was all smooth and came out looking great. Okay. Uh, I'm actually uh, with y'all. I gave it an eight. Um, I don't really have much more to say, you know, after what y'all said. Uh, so we will just move on on that one. Uh, character development, Kenneth. Uh, I gave it an eight. I mean, I like the character development of the ones that are really developed. You know, like I really like Weir because you you get the background of the way of the reason why he is the way he is right from the beginning. Um, and then the other ones where you start seeing the fear factor, but also at the same time, there's other characters from the crew that you really don't get that from, you know, like there's really a lot of focus on Weir, uh, the one lady who's, who's away from her kid, uh, uh, you know, there's really a lot of focus Peters. on Morpheus. Yeah. Peters. There's a lot of focus on Morpheus, Captain but, Miller. but there are other people in there that there's really not like, you don't get a whole lot of the backstory from, um uh the uh what's his name uh, uh, da, 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 da. which one justin cooper dj justin that's him you know uh justin because i was thinking he was in idle hands um him uh the the, the black guy was his uh cooper cooper um and then and then the blonde chick you uh, you really don't get a 
Stark. You really don't get a whole lot of background from them, so it's kind of like back and forth. But the background that you do get with those uh, with the main characters, those are some really good ones. Like I really like the imagery that they use to convey um, um, Weir's uh, his mental problems that he's got going on because of the fact that you know he was a workaholic and that obviously had something to do with the fact of why his wife killed his, killed herself. You know what I'm saying? Um, I really like how they dive into the 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 motherly quality and how she feels about the fact that she didn't want to go but had to go because you know it's a military kind of thing, so she had to go. And she, but she didn't want to leave her son. I really like how they got into that. And then I like the you know, even though it's kind of tropish, but it's the same thing with you know the captain where he had to leave a man behind. I like how they how they went into that to give the kind of more of a fear factor kind of thing involved in it. It almost kind of reminded me a little bit of Sphere. Um, oh, I love Sphere. Yeah, so I, I mean, it was, you know, I, I really enjoyed it, but at the same time, you know, it wasn't flawless. So I gave it an eight. All right, uh, Jay. Um, I gave it a seven. Um, God, Kenneth is kind of. <laughs> Kind of taking all my uh, my thoughts here, uh, but yeah. So some of the characters were focused on heavily, others not so much, and that kind of left me wanting, just like the story did. Um, I really wanted to know more about everybody on the ship, um, not just the the ones that decided to focus on. I know every horror movie needs needs fodder for its deaths, but I feel like with the uh, what we had, we should have gotten a little bit more in the way of, of character development for the entire crew. All right. So I'm actually coming in higher than both of y'all. I gave it a, a nine. I felt like all the characters were absolutely fantastic. And while they didn't develop some, they like to give little tiny, like, hints that are kind of unclear. Uh, like, you know, Stark is the first one to kind of put together that the ship may be alive and something's wrong. Um uh justin being an engineer is so curious about how things are built he has to stick his hand inside the fucking uh thing um dj this doctor who you know is taking care of all these other people but he, he seems to be you know he's there to listen when captain miller needs to talk but he always seems like um i always felt like his smoking as a doctor symbolized something he cares less about himself but cares more about others um smith is one i'm a little angry about uh because you know he's the pilot and i felt like they did smith is smith is sarge from dog soldiers right uh yes and alfred from gotham yeah Uh, alfred absolutely fantastic guy uh love this actor um But he's the one that actually bothers me the most because they never explain why he does not want to go on the ship. And I I assume he's the first person to get the hint that there's something wrong with Sam Neill's character. He is constantly clashing with Sam Neill's character. Same with Cooper. Cooper also is one we get very little fucking information on except that he, you know, he's the goddamn man and he's got the fucking skills to prove it. But he's also like the only person that we don't get an insecurity with except for the fact that uh, he calls uh, Weir on the bullshit and Weir's like, no, I'm a scientist, shut the fuck up. Because a lot of the, you know, so him and Smith don't get the proper kind of thing, but there's enough there that I can put together and assume 
based off of how the characters are and what little information and interactions they have with certain characters. Because the same way with uh, Captain Miller uh, and um, Weir, it's intellect versus instinct. You know, uh, Captain Miller goes all on instinct. He uses instinct to keep him one step ahead of Weir, and Weir is using his intelligence to try to push them into the areas he needs them to be in so that he can do the shit he needs to do for the event horizon. Um, so while I, I completely agree with y'all that there are some characters that need more development, I, for me, there was enough there for me to piece together my own thing for it. And once again, I go back to wondering, are there narrative things? Because I think at least for the Doctor, there's some kind of narrative thing that was taken out that should have been there. Um, but we'll never know. But you know what we do know about? Kenneth's opinion on pacing. Go ahead. I gave it a seven. There were some there were some spots that were kind of dragging a little bit, but overall, I mean, I think it moved it moved along pretty well. But you know, there were a couple of spots. I get I gave it a seven. All right, Jay. I gave it an eight. I uh, I didn't have trouble with the pacing really at all. Um, it could have been a little bit better, but not enough to deduct any more than two points really. All right. I, I also gave it an eight because it's one of those movies that about. About every time I think it's getting a little too slow, a new development happens and it gives it that push. So I get almost to the point to call it slow. I'm about to say the word when it shoves that word back in my mouth. Um, <laughs> we call that a Kenneth. Because uh-huh. uh, he loves to shove things in people's mouth. Um, Especially so, yours. Uh, a lot. All the time. We almost can't do this podcast sometimes. Uh, I learned how to talk with having something in my mouth, guys. Um, so, yeah, I gave it an 8. Um, atmosphere, Kenneth. I'm coming in with a 10. I thought the atmosphere was perfect. I thought they did a great job of conveying, the, you know, that that whole uh, spacey dichotomy with it. And then, and then the shift from... You can really see the changes in the the way that things are from the time that they go into their ship into the event horizon. You can, you can completely see the shift. You can see where the changes come to, to the, to the unnerve and, the, and, and, and the, um, Oh shit. Help me out with the wording here, Jerry. The, 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 the I, it's just, it's just creepy when you get inside, like, like you, you can tell just by the way it looks when you get inside the ship that there's something that's not right when they get in the event horizon. It's clear. And, and the whole time that they're in there, it's clear. It never comes around to that, you know, that, that homey, comfortable, you know, uh, uh, area that they have in the, in the, in the, in the smaller ship. It never comes around to that in, in the event horizon. It's, it's it it's definitely done very well in my opinion of showing the differences and how and how everything changes as it goes along even when you're getting closer to the end of the film where you've got them in the event horizon and you got people going back because they're going to use their old ship to get away and still the inside of the old ship looks the same it still has that uh that warm you know, lived in kind of house look versus the event horizon that does not. All right, Jay. Um, I gave the atmosphere nine. I I thought 
Um, the contrast, like Kenneth said, the contrast between the two ships was was great. Um, everything about uh, this movie just screams stuck in space with a supernatural entity um, fucking with everybody. It was it was absolutely perfect. It did a great job of uh, making me feel uh, the same tension and dread and situational uh, stuff because I can't think of good words um, that the characters were going through. So I absolutely loved it. All right. Uh, co-host, audience, countrymen. Uh, I gave it a seven. I want to be higher on this. I really do. But for some reason for me, it seems to just constantly fall out of its own atmosphere. And I, 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 I still, I cannot figure out why. I've been trying to figure out why. Uh, but I just feel like there's a lot of disjointment to this movie. A lot of uh, when it switches from characters, where uh, when it does that, because there's so many characters, a lot of those switches happen to, for some reason, take me out of uh, the atmosphere. Um, it just it, it, the the character switch from when you realize Sam Neill is crazy. I mean, he's crazy for a while, but when they make it like abundantly clear when he kind of like steps back in the shadows like a lot of the just drastic changes for me based off the characters uh tend to ruin the atmosphere for me which is weird because the characters to me are are, are like the strongest point of this movie uh for me as y'all heard from how in-depth i went on them uh piecing my own thing together for it uh but for some reason that hurts my uh being uh engulfed in this atmosphere so uh i i i gave it a seven um because i had a hard time specifically figuring out what it was that was keeping me out in the atmosphere if i could figure out exactly what it is i probably would have went lower but um because i couldn't and i it just it was just disjointed and i kept falling out of it um I gave it a seven, so uh, much lower than y'all two, which are which both y'all are very high on it and have very good points. Uh, and I do I, I do understand what y'all are saying about the ship, um, but for some reason, the 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 disjointment of jumping between the characters uh, ruined the atmosphere for me. So I I definitely see what you're saying, but I feel like that just added to kind of the sense of hecticness that the movie had at times. Um, and so it didn't, it didn't take me out because it just, it just added to it for me, but I can definitely see uh, how that would affect some people. Yeah. I, it's kind of depressing because I feel like this movie has, I almost feel like there, like there is clear atmosphere in this movie and for some reason, I'm not invited to that party. Like, I can see the party going on. I'm looking at fucking Jay and Kenneth over there by the f- fucking punch bowl, wondering who's going to jerk off in it first. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not allowed to come to that party. I can see it. It's not allowed in. Um, so, what can you do? Uh, so, we move on to scenery slash set design. Kenneth, go ahead. Uh, I gave it another 10. I thought the set design was beautiful, um, especially inside the Event Horizon. 
I thought it looked great. I mean, obviously their ship, it looked good. Had the, you know, had the spaceship look, you know, it was done very well. I think it looked, um, it, it had more of the, the military style look to it than obviously the luxury style to it, which I think was done kind of well. Um, it, it, it almost gave me a little bit of, of, uh, the inside of the Nebuchadnezzar from the matrix, um, kind of look to it. Um, which seeing Lawrence Fishburne in this actually really reminded me of him as Morpheus, as captain of the Nebuchadnezzar. Um, yeah, the rule is you never discuss a shittier movie when you're talking about a good movie. <laughs> I can't wait for that. Jerry hates action. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, when you get inside, when you get inside the event horizon, I mean, there's, there are just things about it that are just fantastic. The, 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 like I said, the long corridor that goes from the one side of the ship to the other side of the ship looks great. When you get inside the different areas of the inside of it on the other side, it looks awesome. Uh, the, the, the gore aspects that are splattered all over the wall, I think look great. Um, and, and especially if not anything else, the set that was done for what, what the gravity drive, is that what you call it? Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, I, that the inside of that looks amazing. I think that is so fucking cool looking. Um, so I got, I got to give him credit for this one. I mean, I think the set design and the scenery was fucking amazing. I, th- I gave it a 10. I thought it was great. Man, Kenneth, leave some dick for us with how much you're blowing this movie. <laughs> uh, Jay, go ahead. I, I gave it a nine. Uh, I thought it was, was really fantastic. There was a few things that, uh, that weren't, absolutely perfect and so i try and reserve my tens for things that i i just think are absolute perfection uh but overall it was fantastic the the ships looked like how i imagined spaceships would look um outside in space was done really well um the gravity drive room uh their their individual quarters everything just looked really good um so so no real complaints from me there all right uh i gave it an eight um everything looks good but some of the uh, inside ship parts look dull compared to the others. Uh, it just magnifies it. Um, but it's such a limited set that it, it, it's hard to blame that. It's just that because of how amazing the gravity drive room is, it makes everything else feel kind of blot. Like, I think back to the Nostromos, and I think back about how amazing that set is, and I realize it's because nothing stands out above the others. They're all on an equal plane of of how good they look. And in this movie, with how fucking boss the gravity drive room is, it makes everything else just kind of like, eh, whatever. You know, it's just kind of standard. You know, it's standard. It's set up to look, you know, the the Nostromo basically set the fucking goalpost. And everyone has to at least make it to there. Um, And... They did better in the sense that they had the gravity drive room. Uh, but everything else is just kind of like, yeah, I saw that in the Nostromos. Um, not that that's necessarily a bad thing. If you're going to fucking, you know, copy something, copy the goddamn Nostromos. So, so, but I still gave it an eight. I think it's a very, very fucking solid uh, set. All right. Acting. Kenneth, go ahead. Um, For acting... Um, I gave it a nine. I think the acting was done fairly well. Um, uh, the, one of my biggest complaints though is, you know, um, 
Sam Neill when he's doing his. For the most part, he does really, really well. But there's a couple of spots in there where it's just like, you know, it, it was very difficult for me to distinguish him from who he is in this and who he was in Jurassic Park. Um, there were aspects like at the beginning, like when he's just like when he's um, sitting there and he's describing how how space time bends and stuff like that. It, I, I swear to God, if you'd put a uh, a put fucking a flannel claw in his hand, yeah, a flannel shirt on <laughs> it, and a hat and a raptor claw, he'd have been that dude. I was just like, I mean, because that's exactly what it reminded me of. But um, but otherwise, I think it was done. I think I think all, I think all of their acting was really really good. I mean, we got some really good actors in this and, and and ones that we definitely recognize. I think everybody did did really well. I think one of the biggest one of the other biggest complaints that I've got is the uh the baby bear guy. I can't remember his name. Justin. Um when he was doing his scene where 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 he's in the airlock and that thing kind of happened and I thought that was that was just a little bit weak, but for the most part everything else was solid. I th- I, I gave it a 9. I thought it was great. All right. Uh Jay. I gave it an 8. Um there were a few things that didn't hit how they were intended, I think. Um, I can't really think of any specific examples, uh, mainly because I'm the worst note taker in the world. But that's uh, I just that's how I, I how I felt at times. Uh, but other than that, it was it was overall really good. Like nothing, nothing that I would consider bad acting. Um, just a few things that didn't land um, as good as it was intended. All right, um, I gave it an eight. Uh, I have no complaints. Nothing really blows me away, uh, but I feel like everyone got their characters down. I do want to point out one scene that I thought uh, acting-wise was really good, and that's when uh, Weir is basically telling Cooper that what um, uh, Justin Baby Bear saw is fucking impossible, and he's like, I don't know, some kind of distortion to gravity, and Cooper's like, you got to be fucking kidding me with this bullshit. And, you know, uh, the just the delivery of Cooper's lines and Cap- Captain Miller stopping him, like, the timing of that was just perfect. And I know it's not really an important scene, but it is one that I see, like, um, getting lines like that to go properly timed can be really fucking hard. Um, I know I we had issues with it back when I did drama, or if any of you ever heard, um, uh, when Kenneth and I went to the Skeleton Crew for that 90s show, and Kenneth and I, you know, we, we wrote a script, uh, and then we did it, like, having those replies go naturally can be really fucking hard. And it's especially hard when you have to interrupt someone to stop them. Like, getting that to go on both sides of it is really fucking hard. And that they nailed it in that scene. Uh, it's just not really an important scene. It's the only issue. But uh, I give it an 8. So, alright. Special effects, slash kills, slash gores. Uh, Kenneth, please present your essay. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it a 7. Wow! Holy yeah. shit! There were some things in this that were fucking great. There really were. Like, the the burning guy, I thought he was done really well. The, uh, the when the bodies are floating around when they first get into the event horizon and you see them all fucked up looking, I thought that was done great. The flashes of quote unquote what hell was, I, I, I actually slowed those down and looked at those. Those were actually really cool. Um, 
But there were other things about it that were so fucking dated that, you know, like when, like when you see the objects floating around in no gravity. Yeah, that was that, that was some pretty shitty CGI. And I mean, I give it, you know, I mean, it was a product of the times, but. But this is after Jurassic Park, so, you know. Yeah, come on. I mean, I mean, some of it, yeah. I mean, it was just like, I, uh, those those were the ones that I was just like, yeah, that looks like shit. <laughs> I mean, even the liquid floating around in there looked like shit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we've seen liquid move and fucking talk and shit in the abyss and fucking Terminator. I mean, come on now. You know, it's just the, the yeah. So all of that, that was what really brought my score down. Is the CGI just looked fucking terrible in that in those aspects of it. All right, Jay. Uh, I gave it a nine, and I gave it a nine um, instead of a ten because of the CGI. But the CGI wasn't enough of a detractor for me. Um, the the body modifications that uh, Sam Neill's character goes through uh, with the cuts and the eyes and everything were really great. Um, when people did die, it looked fantastic. Those were all practical effects, and I think they just look great. Not to mention that the, I mean, scenery and set design is one thing, but really the ships themselves were were special effects too. And I think overall, uh, the tiny bit of, of dated CGI doesn't detract enough from the movie for me to really lower the score um, past the nine. If the CGI had been fantastic, it probably would have got a perfect 10. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you, Jay. I gave it a nine. Uh, I took, I, you know, that CGI does hurt it. But I, I didn't feel like the CGI was even that big a part of the, the movie uh, when it came to its special effects. It's like a little bit of it with the, you know, the floating soda cans and the floating liquid but other than that everything else is fucking amazing and that cgi is just such a little part um so and and what we do get for the the practical effects is fucking amazing uh and it makes me want the missing shit but um it was that i will say none of the kills are that extraordinary uh to me but i noticed that i didn't care that the kills weren't anything crazy um so to me, that's a good sign. It's not like when I watch a, a Nightmare on Elm Street movie and I'm like, these kills suck. It's it's different. I expect that in a slasher movie. I don't exactly, they don't have to be crazy in this movie because the craziness in this movie are the fucking, you know, uh, the makeup effects of what we see when the hell scenes happen. Um, I, almost, I, I originally gave this an eight because uh, I didn't like uh, Dr. Weir's look when he became all cut up. And then I realized it's not that I don't like his look is that he doesn't have eyebrows. And whenever I see something that doesn't have eyebrows, uh, it just looks shitty to me. It's not actually shitty. I just think it's shitty because it doesn't have eyebrows. And that's something I'm trying to work on to, you know, better myself and better my judging of things, you know, just because I think it looks absolutely ridiculous that there's no eyebrows Especially when you have Sharpies, you can just draw them on and at least I can laugh instead of just being like, oh my god, that's fucking awful. Um, so, I end up giving it a 9. Um, so, I, I, I'm, I'm shocked by uh, Kenneth 
and his... I mean that dude. I mean there was I paid a lot of attention to 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 some of those CGI things, and I mean it wasn't just the shit floating around like the uh, the 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 black shit when the gate when the gateway opens and uh, Justin puts his finger in it and pulls his finger out, dude. I mean that just looked that just looked like fucking shit. That didn't look that bad to me. I didn't it really did to me, man. I, I literally just watched the scene. Yeah, I, I, I didn't have an issue with that. I, I did think the floating cans and stuff looked a little bad, and the floating liquids looked a little bad, but it looked awesome as shit when it fell. Yeah, I mean, because it, it changed back to practical when it fell. Exactly, but that's what I'm saying. The, the, <laughs> I'm you not, know, And that's the reason why I lead it, I let, I lead it, I let off with what I was saying with the fact that the practical effects are really good. They are. They look fucking great. But that CGI, man, was just fucking, especially for the times. I mean, like I said, it's dated, but it's still, it, I mean, it just seems like for, it just seems like it could have been done better. So, I mean, I had to take the points off that I took for that. I mean, it was just. I know, but I just feel like the CGI makes up 10% of the special effects in this movie. If even that. And you took off a huge chunk for it. Yeah, I did. And I, I, and I stand by what I said about it. Because uh, I'm because number one, I don't really like CGI in movies anyway. So if you're gonna fucking do it, it better be badass. I and I get that. I do. I just feel like you're taking thirty percent off for ten percent of something. Yeah, but see, you know, maybe ten percent of the movie, but it's thirty percent of my opinion. I know, but <laughs> I don't. But I I want to veto your opinion. Yeah, uh, we don't do that here. I know, and it bothers me. Why can't this be a dictatorship? I'm changing it. Kill the cast is a dictatorship. Well, I'll agree that you're a dick. This God a damn it. dictatorship, and I'm the cheer. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, we're going to uh, Monster Killer. Kenneth, go ahead. Uh, oh, this one gets a nine for me. I like the whole aspect of the supernatural side of it. Um, I, I, I and, and again, we're going to go into another one of it being the entity. Because you've got, you've got all these different things that are playing on. You could look at the the monster, the killer being weird. You could look at it being that. You could look at it being the other side of the 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 other dimension. You could look at it being the ship itself. So you've got all these different things that are tied together, and 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 I really like the aspects of it. So I gave it a nine. I, I was actually you know I actually really like how all those things flow together. Are, do you do you just want to review the movie The Entity? Is that why you keep bringing that up? Are you trying to hint something at me? Uh, no, not to, really. I mean, to... it's just the best way to the best way to fucking describe it. I know, but so I feel like did you get? I mean, it ain't like a fucking zombie in a hockey mask running around with a goddamn machete. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got you got so many different aspects to this. I know, but I feel like you're dropping hints that you got attacked and raped by some invisible force, and you're trying to hint no, us I that. I'm like worried. I'm like, you know, do I need to call Doctor? What was what was his name in that movie? Fucking Schneiderman or something? I don't know. Oh, either way, just keep bringing up Entity. It keeps making me think of that fucking movie. Uh, okay. Uh, Jay, Monster Killer. Um. So bear with me. <laughs> okay. I gave this a seven. Rawr. I gave this a seven bear because uh, because of a bear (laughs) because I really wanted it to be fleshed out more. Um, And it's probably due to all the cutting stuff, but I just wanted I wanted more information about 
the demons or whatever the entity is kind of keeps keeps calling it um that was actually behind all these events um i just wanted more uh, and it, and while the movie is satisfying to watch it just left me wanting and with no no sequel to satisfy that itch and no more information outside of uh, having to research the production of the movie i just i want more and that caused me to lower my score uh, that's understandable i get that um i came in at an eight i like the ship and its control of sam neil uh i like the mystery and the using sam neil to push its agenda um I do think it's uh, a bummer that we don't know more information. I would like to know more because there's certain things at the end. Um, you know, does Captain Miller uh, die along with Sam Neill, or does he, or does Sam Neill even die, or do they both survive and they're now back in the Hell Portal? Uh, because you know, we saw them go back into a hole. Did they go to the hell place? Is, is Captain Miller now being tortured? Um, did that entity uh, not leave with the gravity drive pushing that part of the ship back to the hull? Did it also continue on with the other part of um, the ship? Um, because we see that door close when the rescuers get um, uh, Cooper and Stark and... Um, uh teddy bear whatever the fuck his name was um so much information i need to fucking know a great goddamn fucking monster this entity but if i would have gotten more information it could have went higher so oh well uh here we move on to hero go ahead kenneth um the hero to me is uh and, I, and i'm pretty sure y'all might agree with me or you might not but i think it's the captain Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I gave him a hero an, to save me. Yeah. I mean, I gave him an eight. I think he's a good, solid captain. I mean, he, you know, follows into some of the tropes and stuff like that. But as the character itself, you know, trying to battle his own demons while battling this, this, this force at the same time. I mean, you know, I, I, and doing it commendably. I mean, I think it's a, it's a classic version of a hero in a story like this. So I gave it an eight. I think it's pretty good. All right, Jay. Uh, I gave it a seven. I did also count the captain as the hero. Um, he did a great job, but I felt like he probably could have saved a whole lot more people if he had put his foot down a lot sooner. Um, well, but, you know, uh, life will find a way. Wait, yeah, life Sam does Neo find a way. And Neo, you are the one. But that's besides the point. <laughs> no. Yeah, man. You tell Morpheus you did that it. he could have done better. You another movie. And then have me not quote another movie. I quoted a better movie. No, you didn't. You're allowed to quote a better movie, just not a worse movie. I'm going to set you on fire. Are you going to tell Morpheus that? You're going to tell him that he could have done better? Yeah. Oh, wait, you're talking to him. Yeah, I'm talking not, to him. Not, not Morpheus, uh, but this captain. It's, it's pretty much the same dude. Mor no, Morpheus found the one and pretty much is responsible for saving the entirety of the human race, so... Yeah, well, this captain could be could do the same thing by you know sacrificing himself and taking that uh, taking the ship back into the other dimension. He did. That was a great move, but yeah, unfortunately, so. that's you what my credit score. where credits do. And we can't change our scores. Wait, Kenneth, did you just say he sent the ship back there? Because Captain Miller did not send the ship back there. We are sent the ship back there. 
Whatever. He, just, he, he, sacrificed, just blew, himself. he sacrificed himself to save the other three people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, what's the greater sacrifice? Sacrificing yourself. Like yeah, said, but he did it based off his own self-guilt. Whatever. Still so. have Either way, I don't know. Uh, I gave Hero a seven. Uh, I've, I I like Captain Miller, but let's be honest: generic military officer, all the way through this fucking movie. Generic military officer. It is not new for um you know a military person to talk about the guy they left behind. Uh, it's not new for. Uh, even in 1997, it was not fucking new for the military officer to not trust the scientist. You know, it's just not new. Uh, while he did a great job of it, I still have to, you know, call a generic character when I see a generic character. So uh, I, I, I gave it the classic old hand job. You know what? That's a better reason for the score. I'm going to take your reason. Okay, take my reason. <laughs> um it is it is not plagiarism if you did not write it down. Um, all right, uh, score soundtrack plus sound design. Kenneth gave it an eight. Would you like to explain that? Nope. Okay, <laughs> Jay, here's your time to shine. Uh, what did you give it? Oh, great! My time to shine on the category I have the hardest fucking time with. I gave it a seven. You're welcome. Um, I thought that the, the the music fit most situations just fine, um, but as with most scores in general, uh, I have a hard time having them stick in my head afterwards. Yeah, this uh, really fucks us up when the music expert <laughs> has nothing to say. Um, you know, because I'm with Jeff. I gave it a seven. Uh, because nothing took me out, but I can't tell you a single fucking thing about the sound design or the soundtrack or the score. I can tell you nothing, which means it wasn't bad because nothing took me out, but it wasn't good that I remembered anything. Right. Good job, guys. Uh, yeah, you know, we go, we really try to make sure we fully explain ourselves when <laughs> we do these categories so Moving that y'all feel Scare just, factor. okay. Scare Factor, uh, Kenneth uh, is the new host. Go ahead. Giving it an eight. And, uh, yeah. You will explain this one. Okay. Um, I gave it an eight because I, I was telling Jerry earlier, there's just something about the about about the concept of, of and, and I probably, if I, if I thought about it, I'd probably end up going, going maybe a little higher, maybe not. I don't know. I, this is one of those things that I really have to sit down and, like, think, 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 think. Um, because the concept to me of going to alternate dimensions that mirror some form of religious description is, is very interesting and, and, and very unnerving to me because that gives, there's always the age old question about was, was religion invented just because human beings cannot deal with the idea of our own mortality you know i mean you've wow. got the you're, right you've got the diehard people out there that are that that have so much faith blind faith in it that they truly believe that there's a heaven that there's a hell god devil you know or 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 whatever religion you are muhammad you know whatever 
You know what I'm saying? There, there are people out there that die hard, 100% believe in their faith. And, and, and I'm not going to dispute the fact that there could be a possibility for any of these things to be true, because I have absolutely no idea. But at the same time, you know, you, when you when you start getting into stories like this that give some form, let's just say that the, this movie were were actual events that give some form of scientific validity to the 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 concept of uh, of a heaven or hell or something like that it, it it gets into a very interesting territory and so i've always had this kind of un this uh, this kind of i, I guess uh, i don't I, I don't know the best way to describe it other than to say that it, that it, it just kind of gives me the willies to think about that kind of thing to where you could go, even if you don't want to look at it from a, from a, from a religious aspect, but look at it from, okay, these uh, go into another dimension where things like that exist to where the, the chaos and, and the, and all these things that we generally tend to, especially us three on this show generally tend to not really look at it at, at, for what it should be looked at. You know, we we're always making jokes or things like that or whatever. But you know, if you really take the time to think about this dimension that this ship went to, it is absolutely fucking horrible. Yeah, and you can also look at it if you don't even want to go to like the religion side of it. Uh, go back to the serial killer talk we were having earlier. Uh, you know, uh, you know, what if you get trapped by a serial killer who's super into torture? You know, and they do all this fucked up shit to you you know yeah i mean like i mean so yeah i mean so the concept of of that of looking at it from that perspective and and there's other movies out there that have done it uh, done it as well where they've where they've explored the you know the interdimensional kind of thing or or where you're 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 going through the veil of of our known reality into other places that are quote unquote spiritual or whatever and, and finding absolutely fucking terrible things. And, 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 and like I said, it's always gotten to me on, from a very, uh, on a very visceral kind of, uh, aspect in myself yeah. to think about that kind of thing. So, I mean, I, I, I gave the scare factor an eight, up okay, there, so and I probably would have went a little higher. Now that you you're done with Hellraiser two, do you want to talk about Event Horizon? <laughs> uh, but uh, I'll, I'll go into that more on mine. But uh, Jay, you have to follow that up. <laughs> Shit, uh, what he said? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I gave it. I gave it an eight. Uh, uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much. Fuck. <laughs> um. It it was it was good. The atmosphere mixed with the um, the themes of the movie mixed with the situation was enough to uh, to creep me out. Uh, the very first time I watched it, obviously now uh, older and having seen the movie several times, not so much, but um, definitely definitely a good good creepy scary vibe going on. Enough for an eight on my end. Yeah. So. Uh, I gave it an 8 also. Uh, much like most horror movies, I'll never be put in that situation in real life. But the, the thought of it sends me an anxiety. I mean, just look at this checklist. Dangerous space mission. Okay. Alright. We got this. Uh, portal to hell. Okay, I played a lot of Doom. 
you know, okay. Crazy scientist, fuck. You're, you're done. That, that's a trifecta. You're not getting past it. It literally is combining, uh, you know, fucking uh, Alien with Doom with uh, fucking Hellraiser 2, uh, you know, Hellbound. It's mixing all three of those together. And these people were trained to do this shit. They are the best in the fucking business. And they could not fucking survive this. Because technically at the end of the movie, there's a chance that the entity still owns that ship and they're still not going to fucking survive. You know, so you got to think if if two and a half of them were able to make it out because one of them's fucked up from air decompression and shit. There's no way we would make it through this. Much less if someone like uh, me with such high anxiety could even deal with going into outer space to begin with. Yeah, even um, that in itself is fucking, when you really think about it, it's pretty goddamn scary. Yeah, and, and you go back to what I was talking about earlier with the rifle versus the crossbow. I'm so scared of the crossbow because I think it leads to torture. I can't go to hell. I can't go to fucking Leviathan world and deal with fucking Cenobites. I can't deal with whatever the fuck happened in this movie. Uh, and then a crazy scientist... You know, it's the one that's going to make all this shit happen. It's his fault. Fucking don't trust scientists. I get <laughs> it. Okay, global warming is a myth. It's created by scientists. You heard it here. I've ju- That's a joke for the record. <laughs> it is a real problem. Uh, we are losing polar bears. Which means we'll have to change animal mascots for the Coca-Cola company. Which means... That Atlanta will be burned down to the ground, which means it could get to Kenneth and Kenneth could die. Do you want Kenneth to die? No. Then do something about fucking the climate change. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, entertainment rewatchability. Kenneth, go ahead. I gave it an eight. I'm always entertained by this movie. I actually really enjoy watching this. I never, I never... I hardly ever think to myself that I would rather if I had if I was scrolling across and I came across this and something else, it would have to be something that I that I would normally give a ten to before I would want to watch this because this movie's entertaining. I enjoy it, so I, I I give it an eight. All right, Jay. Uh, I also gave it an eight. Um, it is super entertaining, even when you know the outcome. Um, it's good, good movie to show to friends who are, you know, like, hey, what uh, kind of creepy shit you got? It's like, uh, have you ever seen space craziness? And they're like, no. Uh, have you ever so contemplated watching... your own mortality? <laughs> well, hey, guys, let's kick yeah, back, so have some fucking brewskis, talk about, you know, how cool space is. Maybe <laughs> contemplate what would happen if we, you know, crossed over into another dimension that was hell and they ripped our fucking souls apart by our assholes. You know, fun times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got pizza. <laughs> pizza rolls. Mm-hmm. Can we oh, eat God. pizza That's rolls, hell. Jay? Hell for me right no, there. we can't eat pizza rolls because the bread. Oh, well. Well, none of us will eat pizza rolls because y'all can't have them and I just fucking hate them. I mean, okay, fair enough. I mean, I did eat Panera mac and cheese that I stuffed into Hawaiian sweet rolls today fuck, for lunch. That's so good. You did that uh, today also? Yes, I did. What the, what the fuck? <laughs> it was, it was, I ate it the other week and I found out that I love it. And Bad. I started talking about 
Kenneth how this should be a uh, fucking restaurant that just so serves random like versions of macaroni and cheese sliders. I want one. It's really good. You should have one. I can't have one, Jerry. I'm trying to be good. Yeah. Uh, I have to balance out good days and gain weight days. I don't. Well, I don't care about gaining weight. Well, yeah, I but I. My foot to fall off. I'm like six foot and fucking under 150 pounds. You need to start eating all the burgers. Yeah, for real. Um, First world problem. Uh, Jerry's weight, eight out of ten. Uh, okay, so what did you rate this, Jay, for entertainment? I forgot. I gave it an eight. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I need cheese um, now. Uh. Entertainment rewatchability, I also gave it an 8. This is one that I can easily come back to. Uh, it's because it's just plain fun. Um, the characters are great, and they really push the film. And, uh, it, you know, if you want to watch a uh, Alien 3, you can instead watch this and enjoy the 90s much better. Think about it. That leads us to pop culture. Kenneth, go ahead. I gave it an eight. I remember when this movie came out. It it definitely, you know, it it was up there. It was one of those things that I remember it 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 having the previews. It it, it you know, it I can remember it being almost damn near everywhere when it came out. And wow. so, yeah, I mean, it it definitely did because it was like I can remember seeing the preview. And, and, you know, uh, even then when I saw the preview, it was like it immediately fucking, I, I did the comparison when I was, when I saw the preview between this and Hellraiser. Nice. All right, Jay. Um, I gave pop culture a nine. Um, I think it's, it's a super well-known movie, uh, in and out of, of horror, uh, circles in horror circles for sure. But even outside of that, uh, tons of people have, have heard it, seen it, and enjoy it. So I, I gave it a nine. All right, not not bad, not bad. Um, I I came in lower. I gave it a seven because while I do think it's talked about uh, in the horror circle because it do it, you know it is known. I no one talks about this movie anymore. I don't see it referenced in major pop culture. Um, I don't think it has much of a life outside of how it gets talked about in horror. Um, I, I, I just don't, I don't know anyone referencing this movie. Um, but because it's more known inside the horror community than say, you know, in the mouth of madness is, I did have to come up a little bit on it. Yeah, but see, I can, I can actually, you know, I can actually attest. I would probably say that I have talked to more people outside of the horror community about this movie than I have with people inside it. Yeah, I haven't. But then again, I hadn't watched the movie until uh, a year and a half ago or something, two years ago, when Kenneth was like, you haven't watched Event Horizon? What the fuck's wrong with you? And so I watched it, and I was like, Kenneth, you're right. That was a great movie. I still can't. I still can't believe I didn't recommend Sphere to you. And you didn't recommend Sphere to me. I just watched that the other day. And I, Kenneth, you know I like fucking underwater things. That's what I'm saying. I can't believe it because I think Event Horizon movies like the space movies and deep water movies kind of fucking for me kind of go along the same 
in the same kind of area because you you got to think if you're in deep water if you leave outside of whatever thing you're inside of you're gonna die yeah exactly you know i mean unless you're pressurized and i can't remember what movie it may have been sphere where yeah it is sphere where dude's swimming at the fucking bottom because his body's pressurized um but uh but yeah for the most part i mean it's just like you know if you go out into the in, into deep water you're going to die if you go out into space without a suit on or something like that you're going to die you know what i'm saying most of the time when you're inside an underwater station or something like that it's very close quarters it's got the it's got the isolation factor to it the claustrophobic factor to it which is the same for spaceship movies and stuff like that so that, i think there's a for me i kind of lump them together because there's a lot of uh, a lot of similarities between the two of them. The only, the biggest difference is just, you know, obviously the, the location, but other than that, everything else pretty much flows along the same lines. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and this flows right into the good line of representation. Kenneth, go ahead. I gave it a nine. I think it does a very, very good job of representing the, the, the sci-fi horror things where it comes to the space travel and stuff like that the ships all the rest of that i also think it does a great job of representing the 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 supernatural aspects of it the fear aspects how what what fear does to people at the same time you know kind of like the thing and stuff like that i think it does a great job of doing that um i think it does a great job of world building for this particular thing that's going on um it's it's definitely got a good background with it i think it did a great fucking job of representing you know the the sci-fi horror mixture together all right jay um i gave representation a nine actually um i again it's super well known um it's a fantastic space movie it's a fantastic uh demon hell whatever you know, subgenre you want to attach to that part of the movie. Um, it, it does a really good job of doing what it set out to do. So, yeah, nine. All right. Um, I gave it an eight. Um, as for the sci-fi horror, uh, it goes into that to that top ten list. It may, I even think it would probably make top five. Obviously, things like um, Alien and the Thing beat this hands down. Uh, obviously, because we did a horror coliseum for best sci-fi horror movie ever, and it was between The Thing and Alien, not Event Horizon and Sphere. Um, but uh, it is an absolutely fucking fantastic representation of that one, and it does it a little bit different because, like, not a lot of the sci-fi horror has supernatural to it. It's normally like an alien um, or science gone wrong. You could technically call this science gone wrong, though. Because um, in this case, it's only supernatural because it's science we don't understand yet. Because um, technically, they went to a different portal. Uh, they didn't exactly... They didn't go to the, mythology, the, the mythology of hell. Uh, they went... Or they might have, but they went to a, a plane of existence that we do not know of or understand yet. So this is, you know... The science, the horror of science and science gone wrong, uh, but we have to call it supernatural because we do not understand that. But it's not supernatural in the sense of like a ghost or you know elder gods. It's it it is more of a science based supernatural, which is which is really cool to think about, um, and that kind of sets it apart in the sci fi horror realm. 
Because how many other sci-fi horror realms can you think of that deal with an element that you would call supernatural? You know? Most of the time it's aliens or some shit exactly. like that. Or a giant snake or whatever. You know, or Godzilla. Yeah, Godzilla. Yeah, that's another one. Um, you know, that first original Japanese 1954 Godzilla, that's sci-fi horror. That is 100% like in the top, you know, that's in that top 10 list, you know, with the thing and alien and event horizon. Um, so it's something really, it's something really fucking neat and unique. Uh, and I think it, it's a well-reserved place. So I, I think it gets a solid eight because it makes that top 10 list. Maybe even top five. What do you guys think? Do you think it's top five sci-fi horror? I I would have to look up the other movies that, like I obviously I have the ones I can think of off the top of my head, but I would I would really want to look at a list before I commit to something like that. Fair enough, Kenneth. Uh, I'm kind of with Jay on this one too because I can't at the top of my off the top of my head remember Y'all every are fucking. Pussies. I can't remember every fucking sci-fi horror movie that I've seen. Why not? I just can't. And so, you know, what I what I I would say I, w- I would say that more than likely it would probably end up in my top five. Yeah, more than. But I, we can all agree it's it's easily top ten. Oh yeah, yeah definitely yeah. top ten. Yeah, definitely. And it very well may be top five. I just would have to. Yeah, more than likely. My problem is, is, is there's a likely. there's a lot of classic fifties uh, movies I can think of that re that that are going to be arm it in there that are more sci fi than horror that I kind of have to debate you know like the original uh, the day the earth stood still yeah the, see that's super sci fi you know you know but they're they're you know they're, in in the fifties there was a big blind blur between horror and sci-fi that's true you know just because of the day and age you know you look at uh you know but then there's other movies so whatever i I, i'd say it's easily that so uh let's get into numbers um once again i am uh fucking right in the middle and y'all are actually going to hate this i ended up scoring both films the exact same (laughs) that's funny so, because I did that, I wanted to say something. I gave uh, this 117 also, just like I gave in the Mouth of Madness. But I want to clarify that if I have to give an extra point to one of them, I would like to give it to In the Mouth of Madness because I think it's a more complete film than Event Horizon is. So, y'all take that as you will. Uh, in the, in the state, this is important because we always do declare a winner and it can matter. Uh, Jay, uh, came in the, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. I came in the lowest. Jay, you came in the middle. You had 121. <laughs> uh, Kenneth came in the highest at 126. Um, so for me, it was a tie, but I gave it to in the mouth of madness for Jay, it was in the mouth of madness by one point. Yep, they were both uh, both really good movies. And Kenneth, uh, it was uh, in the it was in it was Event Horizon by eleven points. Oh, interesting! So, in the mouth of madness, actually wins, um, because for my tie, I give it to in the mouth of madness. 
if y'all are okay with that and if you're not i'll just edit it out no i'll edit, no, no. I'll edit you absolutely. rejecting it out i'm keeping mine in well so is it when you add up all three totals disregarding the fact that the two movies tied for you which one has the more points because then it doesn't really matter uh i didn't think about doing that let me see 117 plus 122 plus 115 all right uh someone remember this in the mouth of madness is 354 i guess i could i could i got I could it honest, i could just okay um Okay, 117 plus 121 plus 126, 364. So then technically Event Horizon wins. Oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, That's how I would do it in this situation anyway. Whoever okay. has the most out of all three. Okay, according to the numbers, Event Horizon has won this round. Very interesting. So there you it's because yeah. Kenneth has the lowest score on In the Mouth of Madness, but the highest score on uh, Event Horizon. Yeah, that's fair. In the Mouth of Horizons. <laughs> uh, I've watched the shit out of that movie. It, in the Sam, event, Neil, Sam Neil bending reality while also channeling demons from hell, and in, he's just in, fighting himself. In the Event of Madness. It's um, space. So, god damn, that was great. Um... That was the one we were really excited to do, and we knew we wanted it to be the first one we did when we came back after our long run of Freddy vs. Jason. So, uh, with that being said, thank you all for fucking joining us on this epic horror coliseum comeback. We love you all. There is a uh, new Kill the Cast uh, Suicide Club shirt in there done by the great Mike Ravinsky of The Nihilist. And uh, we also have a new underwater kaiju from outer space shirt Wait, based that, off that what? comic strip. Huh? The comic strip, the nihilist. Yeah, you've seen it on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, that's my buddy Mike. That's He's fucking the one dope. Who... I had no. I thought I. I love those things. I had no idea that that was something yeah. you do. Yeah. yeah. Good old Russian. That's yeah, that's the Russian. Awesome. Yeah, that's our buddy. That's uh, our buddy, the Russian Cyclops. Ooh. He's the shit. He uh. He's, he's he has both eyes but when he was younger he stabbed one of his eyes with a fork so it's like all fucking dead uh and he's an artist and he's the one that did i don't know if you've ever seen the square whale uh smoking a cigarette tattoo i have but he did that he he well he he designed it he didn't do the tattoo but i have his artwork tattooed on me That's fucking cool. um, and yeah and he did the underwater kaiju from outer space uh clean up for me where i found this german poster for invasion of astro monster and he took all the words off for me put underwater kaiju in there cleaned it all up uh and and hooked me up for that well shit thanks mike i fucking love your stuff yeah fucking nihilist is great um you will start seeing links to his stuff um in our stuff uh you know for doing our doing uh shirt designs for me uh which is fucking dope You'll see more of his artwork uh, through us in the future, I'm sure. So check out The Nihilist. Uh, you can look it up on Facebook and Instagram, uh, evileg.org. Uh, fantastic artist. He shot out his shit. Uh, and uh, he's currently working on some secret project that um, I'm, I'm, I'm giving input and advising on um, and helping with uh, Justin in, in like an advisor 
standpoint, I'm not actually like writing or drawing anything. Um, so check out all that shit and uh, check us out on Facebook and you know you know all the gist. Give us iTunes reviews. We need iTunes reviews. Uh, do that. I have stuff that I would like to do a giveaway of. Um, so I'm going to put together like a, a giveaway box and uh, we will figure out something to do with like iTunes reviews and we'll give you away. And it's cool. It's, it's got Blu-rays. Uh, it'll have a Blu-ray, a DVD, a VHS, a Funko Pop. It'll be dope. Um, I'll even throw a dick pic in. Uh, Jay, we had this conversation. Your, uh, we will, you will give us iTunes reviews, uh, and if you give us an iTunes review, we will not send you dick pics. <laughs> there you go. That's the new world. Uh, I hope everyone's in, in, enjoyed, uh, the last show we did of The Shining. Uh, the last underwater kaiju we did was Gorgo. The next one is, um, Godzilla vs. Biollante. That's what it is. Uh, Chick dies and her father puts her soul in a flower and then some Middle Eastern guy tries to steal it and Godzilla fights a plant. So, there you go. One of the highest rated Godzilla movies in the franchise. Busted down into five seconds. Uh, Jay, you got anything to say to the people? Uh, thanks for your continued support. Um, somebody out there bought a shirt. I don't know if it was just me and Jerry or... Uh, uh, no, I think it was Derek from Underwater uh, Kaiju. Because I haven't well, bought a shirt thanks. yet. Thanks, Derek. Uh, but yeah, I think Derek bought uh, the Underwater Kaiju. Um, Kenneth, you got anything to say to the people? Um, buy a t-shirt. Buy a t-shirt. Yeah, we've got, a, we've got a couple of designs up there. And hopefully soon I will get the Mooses with Nooses fan club shirt out there sorry it's taking so long um reese is the one doing it and she's it's what she's kind of using to help learn digital art and stuff and working the program and all that so it's taking a little bit longer than i i would have liked but it will come out at some point and it will be amazing i promise so with that being said we will see y'all next time on kill the cast check it out uh, we love all of you. Please don't send dick pictures if they are not wanted. Yes, don't do that. Yeah, ask a question. All right, later, guys. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.